0: And Matt Show, the disc golf podcast you've
1: been looking for. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Matt, week 21 of the Nick and Matt Show. And right behind me, over my, on screen, it's my right shoulder, the uh, Nick and Matt Show logo has now appeared behind me.
0: (laughs) Just like magic. Yeah. So uh... I would just say, welcome to my studio basement. And I've got, uh, my wife thinks I have too much, maybe. She, she likes that. I like it, but I've got projectors mounted to the ceiling, cool home stereo theater set up. And then I create this live studio. So Nick, let's, let's catch up a little bit. What happened this weekend? Uh, it's almost the next weekend. It is. But what happened last weekend? I feel like you had a decent showing at a tournament up in this neck of the woods. I
1: did. I finally, I finally had a decent time at a tournament and, uh, Felt like I actually played disc golf pretty well for once. I think I averaged 10-16, actually. But uh no, I, I played a B-tier down in New York, um, FDR Fool's Fest, which is usually obviously in April, but during COVID and everything, they rescheduled it. So we played just last weekend, and uh, I actually went into a playoff with Steve Brinster and one of the local legends, Jeff Cahill. Uh, Stevie got out on the first hole, but Cahill beat me on the second hole, so... I took I tied for second against Steve, and uh, Cahill took down the win. But I had a good time. I clutched up some pretty big moments. Um, I'm more mad about, I, I bogeyed one hole the second round, and it's a pretty easy par four. And what was funny is the first round. So it's a long par four course, but uh, the first round, I didn't miss a single par four or par five. I birdied them all. So to bogey one, the second round was kind of like, I was more mad about that than I was missing my 30-foot, you know uphill putt in a playoff which i've never had that big of so like jitters so
0: so let's be clear for everybody who's uh listening in here you tied the what year usdgc champion
1: 2013 20, oh yeah. man time Just flies seven years ago yeah Holy i so cow. i remember i i was working at marshall street actually when stevie won the usdgc and we had the coverage going on or we had scoring updates going on, whatever it was at the time, but um, I think back then it was the McFly So High videos. I've I've re-watched those a ton of times, just watching Steve win that, because he's kind of like one of our local favorites up here. You know, he's a New York guy. A bunch of New Englanders know him. He usually came years ago. He would dominate all the B-tiers that we had up here in New England, and so Stevie was one of my favorite players growing up, you know, starting playing the game, kind of like I developed that brinster hop that he does, not to his extent but uh you do have i that do man. and it, you know my i'm trying to get rid of it but you know, when i it.
0: first saw him i think the first time i ever saw him throw maybe was at Buffumville, a local course to mm-hmm. us and i saw him do that that like yeah hop step deal and i was like that's how you throw far yeah and it's so smooth and he does well with it mm-hmm. um so anyways congrats to you i know i got a text from you you were pretty disappointed but i just wanted to put it out there everybody Nick is on his way to excellence. He averaged, I think it was like a thousand twenty. We'll just call yeah, it that. It's right there. Ten sixteen, I think. <laughs> like all right, I rounded you up half yeah. a stroke. It's something like that. Averaging
1: my best, my best of the year for sure. So I can't. I obviously I'm not going to be mad about that. Hopefully that helps out my ratings boost. You know, next Tuesday, but who knows?
0: So, since we're talking about tournament updates,
1: <laughs> yeah, you had your first tournament this year.
0: Yeah, that's crazy to say. Honestly, I do enjoy playing tournaments a lot. And this year has just put like a weird damper on everything. Um, and not so much because I'm trying to stay socially distanced, it's just kind of how it's played out. Anyways, I played the um, MVP Open AM side. Mm-hmm. It's Steve the Dodge MVP. runs it. Yeah, yeah, the MVP. And there's like a field of about 120 AMs, uh, actually in the AM one division. Mm hmm. And I'll just kind of get to the cut to the chase. Uh, Someone can call me out if I'm wrong. I think I was either 34th or I might have been like 38th. Now, Nick, there's one sad story I'm going to tell you. You were there for the first portion, okay? And you saw, oh, Matt's playing out par hole one. And we play the gold layout, okay? And so I par out hole one, par out hole two, par out hole three, par out hole four. Hole five comes over the water. People know the shot. Barsby mm-hmm. Ace It's It's kind of iconic. And I decide that I'm going to go over the water. And I hit a tree, go OB. So I pitch up, miss my putt over the basket into the water. And I'm just telling a sob story. Everybody understands. And just like after a tournament, nobody cares right now to listen yeah. to my story. But I took a six. And you say, Matt, now you got to get three birdies yeah. that you didn't expect to get. So you left around somewhere in that hole
1: that, right after hole six.
0: Okay. Right after that happened. I ended up more or less, I think, taking one bogey all the way until like hole 15. Mm-hmm. So let me stop real quick. Hole 14 over the water. Dude, I'm so pumped. I I get it to 40 feet from the basket, like on the grass. Yeah. I jump putt it over the basket and I'm like 25 and I hit front cage to oh like no. take a four. And I'm like,
1: what the yeah. heck?
0: So then I go to hole 15 and here's where my story is going to end. I'm like, at this point, I'm still like, dude, this is a good round. I'm like 64. Like I, I'll finish a 64. Yeah. Have you ever heard, Nick, of anybody taking an eight on hole 15? This is. No. <laughs> I no. took an eight. Okay. I'll just get it out of the way. So the long story. Yeah, that was a. Tr- Here's how it played. A tree and me being aggressive again. Another tree. Yep. Still not being over the ravine. Another tree. Because I was just like, now I have to. Yeah. Missed putt long. Missed putt coming back. And then like a tap out that splashed out. So it was just like, I walked away kind of. I just, you know. Wow. I, I just couldn't believe it. So in two holes, I scored 14 strokes or something. And that was kind of like the, like I averaged a 72, I was 73 for that tournament. It was like such a bummer. Anyways, I, it was a good tournament. I felt like actually I was playing stronger through golds minus two Mm -hmm. holes. So I was pretty happy. Yeah.
1: No, you're doing really well. Nice and smooth right off the bat. So,
0: All right, so let's get right to um, the show topics tonight, Nick. So the topics are going to be Jeff Spring is literally about four minutes probably from coming on the show. Jeff Spring, CEO and tour director of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. He's going to give us an update on what is happening right then. Um, also, Brian Earhart is coming on the show tonight, and that dude I don't know if you have. Have you ever listened to any of his his podcast ever?
1: Bits and pieces of it. I haven't sat down and listened to a full one, but yeah, bits and pieces of it.
0: So it used to be called The Buzz. He's rebranded it recently mm-hmm. with a different name. I think we'll just wait to hear from him about what that is. Yeah. Um, And then we're going to have some topics that kind of just linger a little bit about uh, USDGC media. Mm -hmm. Have you caught any of that yet?
1: Yeah, I've actually been listening to both days. I've been watching as much as I could. Um, So the rounds start at 2.30, which usually, you know, I'm working a little bit past that. So I'll get to watch a little bit um, throughout the round. But most of the time, I'm kind of listening to it and just playing the holes in my head on how they're doing.
0: Yeah, so they are doing um, decent. How do I? we're going to talk about it? Yeah, I've got a lot. uh, It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. So thoughts on hole 17. We'll talk about again, because we've already seen some incredible. I'll just call it swings on that Mm -hmm. hole. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll talk maybe just a little bit. Not not too spoiler ish. What about whole a little, seven, a whole yeah. eighteen today for Paige Pierce? I'll just throw that out there. I don't yeah, know if you saw it, but we'll no, talk about I actually it.
1: Actually, didn't even see it. All right, I was um, I was tuning in. So the women's coverage, I forget what time it starts exactly. Ten thirty ish, I think. But uh, that one, I more so. I actually had my headphones in today a little bit at work, so that one mostly I was listening to. Um, and Hannah, obviously one of my best friends, is doing the commentary for it, so supporting her by listening. And but yeah, it's been it's been fun.
0: So. Um, before we get totally into it here, uh, I'm going to be trying to set up these Skype calls live. If you're listening to this podcast later, you might hear some funky things. Uh, you, might, you, you won't see anything funky, but you might hear some calls and whatnot coming in. We try to do this live. Um, Nick, can you go ahead and uh, maybe do the giveaway? Show the bag that's coming up. I can. And, and then uh, drumroll, and you can actually say who won that and what they should do to contact us. All
1: right. Uh, Actually, what was his name? It was Michael Miller, right? Yeah. So Michael Miller. um, Matt, I actually... Hold on one second. You have the Skype thing up on my screen? Because I can't... There There you go. go. So MVP sports bag. I don't know what model it is, but I actually... I forgot to bring the discs that I'm giving it away in it, but I'm going to put like four or five discs in this. And uh, Michael Miller, you have a picture of an orange supercar on your YouTube. We just replied to your comment that you left three days ago. Go ahead when you can contact us via Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, and we're going to give you a bunch of nice stuff. So, you are a 2K giveaway. We will probably do another giveaway later on. Kind of, I know I said last week actually that if we had gotten over like 400 live people, I was going to do a giveaway on my Instagram. I do remember saying that, so I probably (laughs) will. Do it on my Instagram. Look it up. You said, Nick I, Carl.
0: I think you said, like, I, I'm gonna do something crazy.
1: Yeah. I might I might throw in like a Proto Kong or a Proto Zeus or whatever. You know, maybe an old school buzz. But uh I'll give away some stuff. And yeah, Michael Miller, you are the winner of that. Nick, we need to start our three K giveaway. We were a little behind on know. the two K. Should 2K. we should we do it right at three K or should we No, we're going three. All it's
0: right. not fair. We we'll go every We drug this one out. All right, Well, yeah, don't we say- actually don't say we're doing every thousand. Yeah. We don't know that yet, but we are doing three k, yeah. um, and we totally appreciate everybody who's a part of the success. If if you think it's successful, we feel it is. We originally thought maybe two people would tune in, and our stats are showing yeah. otherwise. And that's thanks a million percent to you, to guys. everyone. Yeah. So what I'm going to try, live. what I'm going to try to do is get our guest in the show. Uh, we'll see how fast and smooth this goes. Um, but Nick. Um, can you go ahead and do our iTunes podcast
1: rating review? You should have that in the show notes. So let's see if I can find it up really quick. So Rocky, we, we talked last week about the iTunes ratings. Please, you know, leave a comment, say what you like about the show, leave a review and everything like that. And we are giving away two 20 Marshall street, uh, dollar gift cards. Only one person so far has done it so rocky Maguire, i don't know if you're on yet but rocky mcguire you are the winner of twenty dollars to marshall street so someone else who leaves an itunes review you might be the only one so you might get the other twenty dollar card we don't know yet but <laughs> so yeah please if you guys could go on itunes leave a review about us and uh screenshot it send it to our instagram screenshot it send well it to- yeah i was
0: gonna say the the easiest way is to tag us in the the review of mm-hmm. your screenshot. So you go to iTunes, review it, put it in this put it in Instagram and tag us. Then we can look at pictures of us and we'll see your reviews and we can pick a winner. So that's $20 to Marshall Street. Bingo. Awesome.
1: $20. That's pretty Oh, well, at this point you're getting a disc and maybe some accessories. I'm sure Marshall Street's got a bunch of nice stuff. But and yeah. they always they always have discounts going on every single month. They have different you know different deals, specials going on. So
0: all right, so we're we're kind of delay <laughs> we're, I know, we're, we're kind of trying to delay here because I've been trying to call the most important man on the disc golf pro tour, Jeff Spring, and we're having uh we're not getting the cold shoulder. We just texted him, we're good. So, we are going to um have him on here as soon as he either gets back to us or um as soon as the calls go through. And if you haven't heard Jeff Spring or, or I should say the Disc Golf Pro Tour, the, what what I've agreed to talk to Jeff Spring about. We've, we're going to limit the conversation. It's going to mm-hmm. be short. But if you haven't heard, and we're going to give him the opportunity to do this, is the ESPN2 deal. Have you heard about the ESPN2 deal, Nick?
1: Yeah, actually, so it's funny. I heard about this um, a little while back now. I was, you know, hanging out around some people, and uh, I had overheard that ESPN and CBS were kind of in a little... Bidding war to get coverage of the Pro Tour finale and ESPN Two, I guess won it, which is pretty incredible because that's you know CBS Network obviously is a pretty big network, but to have it on ESPN Two, the Pro Tour finale, which this year is going to be one of the one of the biggest events of the year, and it's going to be definitely the biggest payout. I mean, right off the bat, they're doing a minimum fifteen thousand dollars to first place, and that's for MPO and FPO. So to actually fifteen thousand dollars, Matt. That's pretty insane. That's that's disc golf rich right there.
0: Fifteen thousand. So I'm gonna wait until Jeff comes on because I've heard a little rumor and it could be more
1: than that. It could be. So yeah. let's
0: let's just see. Little, yeah. I'm I'm literally texting Jeff right now. And he's texting me. He's like, I don't see your call. So oh, no. um we'll see if he gives us a call here. We'll get this figured out. If we have to just hold his, you know, FaceTime up to the camera, we'll do it. But, um, so that will be one of the topics, ESPN two, we're waiting to hear from the man himself. And then, um, the other thing is, so that was ESPN two, which is just the filming of the disc golf pro tour championship. So what do you know about the format, Nick, of the disc golf pro tour championship?
1: So in years past, they've done, like for the men, I think it was the top 32. 32 people are making it to round one. And then after that, 16 people go into round two, which would be the quarterfinals, then the semifinals. No, excuse me. I forgot how it is now. (laughs) I'm trying to think of it. That's
0: why we're trying to get Jeff on.
1: Well, is it 32 people go down to the Sweet 16, Elite 8, top four, or the final four? and then? whoever wins the final four wins it. But I'm curious because in years past, they did it where four people played on a card and the hot score of that card was the one who advanced. But supposedly this year, no matter what card you are on, if you're in the first round, the low score, obviously the low scores for how many people advance, wins it, you know, and advances to the next round. So on their Instagram, actually, I can pull it up really quick.
0: So that's something that Steve Dodge started is he wanted it to have a totally different feel to be more exciting in the sense of like one and done type deal and buys and the whole nine yards. I I think it's really cool Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it this time. So,
1: yeah. So the, the top 32 in points for the whole disc golf pro tour throughout the year, make it to the tour championships, the 17th place through the 32nd place in the points play and In points play in round one, the top top four scores advance to the quarterfinals. Tiebreaker is the better seed. Then after that, you have the quarterfinals bracket, uh, 9 through 16, and points receive a bye to the quarterfinals. The top four scores advance to the semifinals. The tiebreaker is a better seed.
0: Do we have Jeff? Yeah, you can keep going. So, okay. So... All right. We, we do actually have Jeff and I'm going to get him pulled up here. It's so awesome that he's taking the time to do this for us. Uh, here he is. Jeff, we've got you on camera now. You're live. Where are you calling us
2: from? I, uh, just got back to the house. I'm staying in. I just ran outside because I'm, I'm staying with a bunch of our media team and crew here at the USDGC. We're in between Hornet's Nest and, uh, and Rock Hill in in Winthrop. So, uh, apologize for the lighting, but uh, I I thought it might be better than than being inside and it being noisy. So um, it is it is better. Hey,
0: I see you trying to get the lighting right. Throw your cap on backwards, you will be meant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go, it's perfect. So, all right, we do have a live audience right now,
1: and all right.
0: they're interested. Can you what can you tell us about the um, Pro Tour Championships? I've I've heard rumors of very different amounts, but the amount that I've seen officially posted by the disc golf pro tour is $15,000 payouts. Do you want to talk about the payouts a little bit and tell us what they're going to have to do to win that? What does the championship look like this year?
2: Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks for having me on first of, first all, of all, and, and uh, sorry, sorry for the delay, but yeah, I'm we're excited about, excited about the disc golf pro tour championship. championship. We're, we're going to have uh yeah, $15,000 $15, for first place. place. Uh, um, but, but that, I expect that to go up significantly, significantly before, you know, we get there. So um, where, yeah, we're not quite done. That was just kind of the minimum that we wanted to put out at the time. Um, it's 32 players qualify based on, you know, the pro tour standings, uh, on the men's side and 16 on the women's side. And, um, and then they play, um, a few rounds to get to the finals. Um, and the finals is four men, four women, um, in their respective divisions. Uh, first place right now is 15,000 second place, 7,500 third place uh, I think is 3800 and fourth place is 2, Um but uh, everybody who enters the tournament gets paid and uh, you know we're, uh, we're excited to do equitable payouts this this season which has been in the works for a while. Um, we did that last year actually as well and then all season we've been shifting 10% of the added cash to the women's division actually um, anyway so uh, that's kind of just part of our policy and it just happens to be equitable here in the, in the finals because of the field size. And, uh, it will be on ESPN too. Uh, we're, we're thinking like just before Thanksgiving, the air date will be announced soon and, um, couldn't be more excited. You know, it's the biggest, uh, event of the year for us. Um, we think, you know, basically, you know, and as of next week, it will be by far the biggest single payouts for women or men ever, you know, we're, we're adding over a hundred thousand dollars cash and yeah, we couldn't be more excited. It's pretty insane. How how did the ESPN2 deal come about? Like, where did the works in that come from? Yeah, happy to talk about that, actually. I haven't talked to anybody about that, so you guys are getting the <laughs> yeah. scoop, really. Love it. Um, uh, yeah, so the ESPN2 deal. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I worked on this with um, my media manager, Mahmoud Barani, and he used to work at ESPN for five years, so he's got some contacts there. We worked through the chain and got um, up to the, you know, kind of programs and acquisitions manager, um, and she's been working with us um, for a few months. And you know, we were talking to them before uh, actually the CBS Sports show um, came into uh, reality. And uh, you know, talks heated up after that. Um, I, from actually since last August, a year ago, when I when I was first uh, stepped into this role as, as CEO and. We, you know, purchased the the Disc Golf Pro Tour brand. Um, You know, my first thought was, hey, you know, let's put next year's tour championship on ESPN. And so this is like my first, you know, my first big goal that, you know, personally, like I've got several big goals. This is one of like maybe six to eight big goals. This is the first one that I think that I personally hit that I'm excited about um, that I set, you know, back last August. And, um, you know, just long term you know, vision for getting there and big shout out to Mahmood and our entire team, because honestly the work that the disc golf network and the disc golf pro tour have, have done this year have created this opportunity. Um, big shout out to Jomez pro who did an amazing job on the CBS, um, show, mm-hmm. which also, I think, you know, definitely contributed to this opportunity as well. Um, and you know, we've been working with, uh, another, disc golf uh, producer on some of our vignettes some of our uh, featurettes and our, our like intros to the live coverage and his name's joe canali and he's going to be working with us on this as well with his studio um that is routinely delivering and packaging shows for espn so they've got a lot of great experience um to to bring to the table and so we're we're going to go at this as the disc golf network uh jomez and and bluefoot here and um we're we're really excited to. To learn from the experience of the ddo and Joe Mess has a lot of that experience that you know we're going to you know take the experience of bluefoot and like really put it all together but it's really the show is going to feature the final round so just the top four men top yep. four women um and then you know it's pretty straightforward on how you get there although it's hard to explain it and some people you know don't necessarily uh you know have an easy time figuring that out so uh happy to delve into the structure but um, that said, you know, any, any follow up questions, happy to try to answer regarding the ESPN uh, the SBN two show.
0: Well, so I, I, I think that actually kind of summarizes it all, but I, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I'm sure that like our, our chat board has, if they have any, they better get them in quick. You're a busy man. We'll let you out. But I want to just give kudos to the disc golf pro tour. Um, I, with that. <laughs> without naming names and shows and all that, I just want to say it's been very evident to me as of this year and of as recent as today, this golf pro tour is doing things right. So I just want to say congrats during a COVID year, obviously it's like got branded now a COVID year, but like what you guys have done and you're still continuing to, I I'm going to say the word Excel, at least in the right direction. I just wanted to say congrats to you guys. So, um, I don't know how you feel about it, but you, you probably feel that you're heading in the right direction as well, right?
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we're hopeful that if this show goes well, we'll be um, discussing multiple shows. You know, we, we definitely feel that ESPN is interested and um, yeah, you know, the same thing could be said for CBS sports. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they they were in the running to get this contract and it's not a bad thing to have two to choose from. And uh, you know, I expect to have, you know, more networks interested in the content in the future, especially if we're able to, you know, keep keep churning out good stuff. But, you know, the, the main thing I prioritized this time was like talking to somebody who was a good partner and who was like interested in negotiating, because as you guys know, the CBS sports deal um, left a few things to be desired for disc golf fans um, and namely like the weight, you know, with the post-production and, you know, we had to take down our live. And so, you know, I just basically went into the negotiation saying, yeah, we're not interested if if those are off the table. So, um, you know, you can you can take it or leave it. And uh, and I, you know, we feel very strongly that we don't need national national uh, coverage. We don't need a national network. But they probably want us. And um, and I think that that will prove to be true. Not that we, you know, it, it, I just think that our system right now is sustainable. Mm-hmm. I love what our post production media teams are doing. I love that we can bring free coverage of the disc golf pro tour to fans across the world through YouTube. And I, I don't want that to change, you know? Um, and it's very evident that, you know, there's a lot of fans that want to pay a little bit, um, for live coverage. And, um, you know, from our perspective, we don't want to uh, take advantage of that goodwill. We want to put, um, all that, you know, goodwill and, and the support that the subscribers have shown like back into the show, make it way better before we, we, think about raising it from 449 for PDJ members or 899, uh, our month for, you know, other members. And, you know, sometimes we deliver three or four show, shows per month for that price, yeah. you know, so, yeah. you know, but we don't take that for granted. We want to, we want to deliver more, uh, because we know that people are grinding to, you know, chip in and support us. So we we just want people to know we're grinding too. And, uh, we're going to deliver an even better season next year, but we're not going to change from, you know, delivering great live coverage, free post-production, um, and then if if national media says, hey, we want disc golf, um, we'll be waiting there, you know, with a, with open arms. But uh, we're not going to sacrifice the the great support that we've seen from disc golf fans and, and making new fans from providing free content mm-hmm. um, just for national media. You know, cable's kind of dying in some ways. So yeah, exactly. So for everyone who's been complaining
1: that post round production's going away, Jeff Spring literally just said that it is not right now. <laughs> So my my exactly. last my last question for you, Jeff, is this is all gonna be exclusive on the DGN. Now will the final round once again be live on YouTube on the final day? Yes.
2: Okay. Yeah. Final round live. Yep. Yep. We're doing that all year. It's not gonna change now. Yeah. <laughs> um so we're yeah. very excited for the final round to be free on YouTube for uh for the live. And of course, you know, Jomez, gatekeeper, and GK Pro will be turning next days live free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's just a standard Yeah, standard disc golf pro tour media slate for the tour championship. The one thing that's different is that um, on Thursday, we have round one for the men. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom 16 seeds, seeds 17 through 32. They're playing for the four spots. So the top four scores advance. Okay, then they go play the eight seeds that are nine to 16 that have advanced to round two automatically. And that's the quarterfinals. So that's 12 players the eight that got the first buy and the four that advanced those 12 players are playing for four spots in the semis. And then they're going to go join the top of the top disc golf pro tour players, the top eight, you know? So those four players will then create another group of 12 and those four will advance to the finals, which will be featured on ESPN two. On the women's side, it's, it's only the top four have a buy.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and then, the seeds 5 through 12, um, sorry, 5 through 16, which are 12 seeds, play for four spots. Um, then they join the top four women, and they play for four spots in the finals to be on ESPN2. So it's a pretty big stakes on the line. I don't know what's bigger, being featured on ESPN2 or 15 grand. But I know, right? Probably the 15 grand's. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, we hope to make that 20. That's exactly Um, what I was going to, I was
0: just going to say, like, not only do you want to win the prize, but like, there's a second prize and it's just the icing on top. Uh, Jeff, we don't need to keep you. I just want to tell you, man, for some reason I'm craving creamies from up in Vermont. Have you had that recently?
2: (laughs) I, I, yeah, I'm, well, I, you know, I hit the road a little while ago, you know, uh, (laughs) a little before last weekend and, uh, I I got my fair share and I had a little stand up in Vermont, but maple creamies are a staple of, uh, of the Vermont summers and they're dwindling down as as we see the, uh, the seasons changing. So
0: last time I was there, I think I had a cone and a cup. I just couldn't get enough. It was awesome. (laughs) Hey man, thank you so much for taking time out to come on the show. Our, our, our subscribers and fans, everyone loves it. Uh, thank you very much for doing that. We're going to let you go now. Um, is there anything else you wanted to shout before you go?
2: Yeah, I mean, two things. I want to shout out our Inside the Winthrop Arena show. Mm -hmm. That's a companion show to USDGC, which is free for subscribers. And hopefully people are enjoying that. Um, But it's on the next two days. And then I also wanted to shout out UDisc because they've created a a Bushnell bracket challenge Mm. that you can win a lot of stuff if you go for the Tour Championship and predict your winners. Everybody missed March Madness. This is the next best thing for disc golfers. So go make your picks. It's free. Pretty awesome. Appreciate it very much, Jeff.
0: All right, man. All right. Uh, enjoy your Let's, evening and um, don't Take work too easy. hard as a CEO, you know, so <laughs> we'll see you around, dude.
2: I, I threw I threw one hole at Winthrop. Nice. Very, very
0: good. <laughs> threw it into the water. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> OK. All right, dude, Pretty we'll cool. talk to you later. Take Peace, you out. Easy, All right. Bye. Peace All right. So that was Jeff Spring, CEO of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Nick, what stood out to you about what he said?
1: Well, he obviously explained how to do everything like uh, the players. A lot better than I did, but I think it's a really cool format. I like that the top four people are going in, advancing each round. I like that for FPO as well that the top four were the only ones who got the buy all the way to the fi- or the semifinals. Um, fifteen grand, though. I mean, I've obviously never competed for fifteen grand, so yeah, pretty insane.
0: But so I was messing around with the audios, and I I apologize. I'm going to listen to that segment back. Yeah. He did mention that it could be more. It could be more. Yeah okay.
1: he he wants it over twenty grand, so.
0: All right. So um, th- that's just all cool. Listen to that back. If you missed it, go back and check it out. We just brought Brian Earhart into our green room. This is working a little smoother than I thought. And I should knock on wood because audio levels are always funny. But let's go ahead and uh, welcome our guest, Brian Earhart, into um, the Nick and Matt show. Oh. So,
1: what is up, buddy?
3: <laughs> what's up, guys? What's up, man? How you doing?
1: Good. Wow. You- what's What's pretty sweet is that you're... You know, you've been actually doing podcasts longer than Matt and I have. So you already have a microphone, your headset. You've probably already audio checked yourself. This is this is perfect.
3: I have. I have actually. And I uh, I just got new microphones, too. So I'm excited to use them whenever I can.
1: Heck, yeah. Yeah, we, We have a bunch of microphones. I think a couple of them are from my parents band that I was in. Oh, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully they're good. Hopefully the people appreciate them. When we kicked
0: off the Nick and Matt show, I just went over and raided their basement a little bit. but (laughs) Let's go. So, dude, I am a solid fan of your podcast. And, like, it's got, and I'll just say this because I have no concerns about people finding you over us and enjoying you more. You have a vibe to your show that is so chill that, like, it's, it's the kind of information I want to know, and you talk mm-hmm. about it. So I'm like, yeah. man, how do I make our show like that? And I I thought of it. I thought, and I thought, and I said, well, why don't I just bring Brian Erard on the show? Yeah. <laughs> he can give us all so, the let's secrets. Let's do it, man.
3: So yeah. can you? We made it.
0: Yeah. So before we get right into that, you've actually been in my studio down here, except it wasn't a studio mm-hmm. at the time. Um, yeah. I, it's funny, the Jomez guys, Sexton, all these guys, we invite them back in, and we ask them, how does it feel to be back? But... <laughs> Um, that time was probably what, three years ago?
3: It was my first, it was my first Vibram open or, and I'm not sure if it was the MVP open <laughs> the MVP at that time, or but
1: Maple or
3: it was, was something, but yeah, it was, I think it was 2018. Yeah. My first year on tour.
0: Okay. And AJ Risley goes, Matt, there's a dude and he needs a place to stay. Or I, I want to offer him a place to stay. And I was like, AJ, I trust you, man. And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, "Don't invite anybody else." <laughs> and he goes, "No, this you this can is always it. trust
3: dude. AJ." So always trust yeah. AJ. So I did,
0: and uh, I'm glad I did. So um, awesome! We're so glad to have you on the show. Um, we got a, we got you. You got some time to talk tonight, or what?
3: Dude, I'm, I'm, I don't have to play tomorrow. You know, way to bring it up. <laughs> no, he
1: didn't. He all didn't right. mean to. No, all it's right. all good. It's
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm pumped to be here, man. I love talking frisbee and any excuse I can get to get on the microphones and and talk with other like-minded people. I can, I love it.
1: Okay. Are are you down in South Carolina at the moment hanging out or are you in North Carolina? What are you up to?
3: Yeah. I I have a good friend named Brant who is a local player to the Charlotte area and, uh, met him last year through a discraft underground team member referred me to him, um, The Discraft RV went home early last year um, because Tim Barham and Chandler both ended their tour early. Mm -hmm. Um, So they wanted to kind of get the RV back to Michigan and uh, not leave me alone in it again because I had already done that for like two months. So they took it back. I was actually in my – I was living out of my my, uh, partner Lindsay's Subaru with her. And uh, (laughs) we we needed a place to stay, and they got me hooked up with this guy named Brant, and we became amazing friends. And we actually lived at his house during the quarantine too, so – we're uh we're about hour north of the course
1: nice very nice have you gone down i know i your brother is playing in the event right thomas yeah he's he's playing gotcha where did he qualify at preserve do you remember
3: yeah yeah nice. he had a great showing at preserve That's... i think he was on coverage every round um, I think he got 11th at the tournament. I think he kind of struggled the final round, but he started off with like a 13 under. Yeah. There. So yeah, I remember that's when it. I
1: first heard his name. And I remember you and I were playing a practice round at MVP and we were playing with mm-hmm. Paul Haley. And we were kind of talking about the brothers duos in disc golf. Like who is the yeah. best brother, brother duo? And we were talking about, you know, brian Scott Thomas, who's obviously a thousand rated player. Tom's sick. Then you had the Eulaberries, berries who are both over a thousand. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Paul mm-hmm. and his brother Jonathan, the Sextons. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of solid brother duo teams, and so we would have to at some time fu- put everyone in one place and do this incredible tournament between, Dude. you know, Battle of the Brothers. Me, I don't know.
3: Me and Tom literally have opposite play styles. Mm. Like I'm lefty mm-hmm. and I prefer sidearm uh, for technical shots. Tom's backhand and perf- and is right-handed. And he spin putts, and I push putt, and it's like we have yeah. every shot covered. We we're a nasty doubles team. That's awesome. Put can I actually us for sure? Can I actually
0: ask? Are you lefty, or do you just throw lefty? I know there's players out there who do that.
3: I am pure lefty. Okay. I've done everything my whole life left handed. Okay, my right hand is pretty useless.
0: So, so here's <laughs> I, I just got to give some insight into the show. So Nick is our our local pro athlete. Okay, and I am like stat nerd like I, I love talking details of life and development mm-hmm. and how to become better and like
2: yeah.
0: and i and so that's like the dynamic we have here and i say nick submit some questions and so nick nick comes up with some questions and they're like the athlete side of it he's yeah. like i want to know like his favorite yeah. disc like how well, yeah, his sponsorships yeah. help him and all that so like we're gonna we're gonna start out with some of those like easier questions yeah. and then i hope you're ready sure. to get deep okay so Dude, that's because he
1: yeah matt matt brilliant. and i were talking about questions we were going to ask you today and i'm at a job site and i was like yeah i'll text you them when i can so i'm kind of going over my head and i'm like trying to think i was like i'm pretty sure brian's one of the first if not the first fellow discraft sponsor player like brian's obviously brian's on the elite team he's got his name on his own which is absolutely incredible kudos to you for that Yeah, that's pretty sick I'm, I'm on the underground <laughs> team so like brian's up here and i'm chilling down here but uh we both do throw mainly all discraft and so then I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I kind of know Brian's back a little bit. We've actually been fortunate enough to play a couple rounds together this year. Yeah. You know, but basic one, what's your favorite mold?
3: Favorite mold? And why um, is it
1: and why is it the Comet? No.
3: No. <laughs> no see, Dude, he's I a okay, bomb so I like,
1: XL thrower.
3: Yes, I see that's the thing. Like I have gotten to a point in my bag where I I'm in love with like I'm very invested in like 10 different discs in my bag right now. It's a great place to be when you're a disc golfer where you just know every disc inside and out. But I think if I had to like close my eyes and just pick a mold, I would, I would have to say the buzz. I mean, I like the zone a lot. It's my favorite disc, Mm -hmm. but the buzz is just like, I would not design a mid range any better. Yeah. Like, like especially the newer ones, there was a run a little while ago where they had a little bit of high speed turn, but I love the idea of a buzz. That's just, stubborn and neutral and you can just slam it flat and it holds flat you can hit it hard hyzer it holds the hyzer like that to me is what a disc should be for a, a pro player and you know and new players sometimes find a buzz to be a little bit too overstable but i think it's such a good learning tool for everybody yeah. so i think that's just my favorite mold
1: yeah i i love that answer too because a couple of years ago i was doing a uh, podcast with the foundation guys and we were having you know, what's the best disc out there? People were voting on it. And I think it actually came down between a zone and a buzz. Yeah. And their, their argument was, you know, the zone is such a great disc. It's so, so great at approaching. You can backhand forehand it. But I was like, but I could play a one round or excuse me, a one disc round with a buzz way better than I could a zone because the buzz, I can throw it left. I can throw it to the right. I can throw it straight. You can put it on Mm -hmm. any, any angle. And Paul has said this multiple times. The buzz, whatever angle you throw it on, it does that.
3: And it's that's unbelievable yeah, if, how how it maintains spin. It's so good. It
1: never really like there obviously there's bad runs of everything, but the best buzzes start Ooh, out slightly I, overstable, and And yeah. you know, they never really get flippy. Like I don't have a single buzz that mm. I really like that is flippy. I have a couple that I don't care for that when I bought them, they started out under stable. And so they've obviously yeah. gotten really flippy but a good run of buzzes just it's so true to its flight it's insane
3: i'm about to drop a knowledge bomb and give any new players listening some buzz advice if you ever find in somebody's basement if you're looking through their disc which i know everybody does when they go to somebody else's house if you find a beat up chris yeah yeah if you find a beat up buzz the one i'm throwing right now is a crystal one But if you find an old beat up buzz that is bored flat, like when you could tell, like when it was brand new, it probably, probably was pretty overstable. Mm -hmm. That disc is the best mid range I've ever thrown. It's, it's unbelievable. You can make it overstable because it's so flat and the shape of the buzz is shaped, you know, in such a way where if you throw just a little bit nose up, it'll hold the stability like it was new. But then the moment you throw it flat or slightly nose down, you can get it to flip like the flippiest disc. So like it's a little touchy. But a flat beat to crap crystal buzz is like my newfound favorite disc in my bag right now.
1: That's awesome. I'll have to see if I have yeah. any old crystal buzzes and you can have them. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, so <laughs> yes, I'm a big ESP. ESP buzzes are my favorite disc that I've ever thrown. I think my first ever disc actually was or not my first ever, but like when I actually started getting serious with it was the mm-hmm. old EMAC buzzes. And I think there were Z buzz oh. SS's. If I'm not mistaken, yes, that's
3: exactly what they were.
1: But so I started with a Z buzz SS. I remember I had a blue one with like a white stamp on it. I was obsessed with it. But then I started getting Amazing. the ESP buzzes and that old ESP pink magenta buzzes. I had like five of them at one time. And the, the buzz is all time. My favorite disc that I've ever thrown. It's incredible. I try to oh, get man. Matt to throw them more because he's such a <laughs> for some reason. Guy yeah. And he just will not throw the buzz. I'm like, dude, so, but you can throw this harder and it you're... does the same thing.
3: So But if you're a Woods player, the comet is just a paintbrush. I'm a it's, Woods player. Yeah. Exactly. And,
0: and so for me, it's just like in it. my and my game is developing too. It's still, I've been playing 13 years. Yeah. And I know if we get really technical, everybody's game's developing. But like for me, like I'm just in 13 years in, I'm just learning to throw harder and uh, maintain Mm -hmm. like accuracy it's anyways we don't need to get down that road i I feel like (laughs) that's that's a good intro into like just a little bit about like a little bit about your game not too much in about it but like let's let's go back now and Mm -hmm. let's talk about uh your podcast it used to be called the buzz which is relevant to what we were just talking about yeah yeah and you just rebranded it do you want to tell us what the new name is and kind of what your focus is and maybe why that happened
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it. So, um quarantine, COVID, like kind of the whole weirdness of this year um kind of made me think about my priorities and what I really want to be a part of my disc golf career. Um, you know, made me think, you know, with especially the quarantine, you have so much time to just like think about yourself and like what you want out of your life and for me I was like, do I really only want to spend all my time like training to be the best frisbee golfer. Like, and I realized that I, I would love that. But I also really think the podcast is like an amazing outlet to be this like counterbalance to competing every weekend. So I wanted to start taking the podcast more seriously this year. Um, and my partner again, Lindsay that travels with me is a podcast junkie. So she started editing for me. Um, and she's complete audiophile, like really, really has an ear for, EQ and like bass and you know whatever things you know audio engineers do so she started editing my podcast so then I started getting more motivated to do it more consistently and actually like storyboard and and get more prepared and take more notes when I had interviews and just seek people out a bit more so I realized like man if I could actually make this like a uh, if I can monetize this in some way and actually make it a part of my career the sky is the limit Mm -hmm. because it's you know it's what's coming out of my brain so it's 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 always going to be unique because it's me and my ideas so i knew that if i had to monetize it i had to change the name from the buzz because you know there's always going to be that gray area of copyright infringement and if i took the you know the third z off the buzz it would just be a bland terrible podcast name <laughs> so like the moment you take the disc golf pun out of it like yep. It's it's kind of a worthless name. And I think I did initially, I named it like that because I was thinking maybe me and Yuli were going to carry this and do it every week and eventually have Discraft to kind of sponsor the podcast. Mm-hmm. But he heard himself and then went home. So I was like, okay, well, what do I do with this podcast now? <laughs> um, So yeah, I called it The Flight Diary. And it was honestly the first name that popped into my head. I hadn't even thought of the word diary for I, I don't know how long. But it popped up because it, the imagery that kind of like presented itself when we were thinking was, you know, I would love to have eventually this archive, at least this is where the podcast is evolving. I'd love to have this archive of old stories and and theories and, uh, you know, thoughts of all these players in this golden era of disc golf or watching it blow up into this like bigger and bigger game. But I want to hear stories of people sleeping in tents in people's front yards. And I want, I want that era of disc golf, like, like the Barsby era, you know, the players that played in the nineties and the two thousands, um, you know, uh, Yuli and Nico and people who have transcended these generations. Like I want stories from those people. So then those stories don't get lost. And I kind of got inspired to go in this direction, but actually going back to the diary, I'll explain the name. So I want it to be this big collection of old stories and diary is like this thing that in my mind seems like something that gets dusted off and opened up. And then you laugh at all these silly stories that kind of present themselves because it was from an older time. Um, so, you know, I had this crazy idea, like if we do the podcast for three years straight and we get you know, Juliana Corver, eventually Ken Climo, you know, Ron Russell, all these old timers with tons of stories, we could make a physical book too. And it would be the coolest. We could get it illustrated and like actually create a physical like diary. That would be just an, I think it would be an amazing piece of disc golf history. Um, and I think it would be great to do justice to the people that paved the way for the ESPN deals (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of still figuring it out as I go. Um, you know, eventually right now I'm only doing like my friends. I'm interviewing people that I'm close with. Mm -hmm. You know, there's. You've probably noted there's no FPO players in there yet, and I'm not like close friends with too many FPO players. Like I'm acquaintances with all of them, but I still am, am not comfortable. I'm, I'll eventually get there to people that I don't know. I'm starting to get my feet wet in that mm-hmm. as an interviewer, but um, eventually, yeah, I'd love to just collect collect stories from every player essentially.
1: That's pretty sweet, and so many people down the line will appreciate that because I think you know when I started playing this game we didn't have a ton of post-round production and everything like that but then YouTube was able to archive the stuff that we did have. Exactly. So you can always look back and watch YouTube videos. And so now at a point when podcasts are so huge in this day and age now, mm-hmm. you can look back or you know listen back to the podcast. And I think Matt and I are mm-hmm. kind of in that same boat where we started this for fun. You know, we didn't really know exactly what we were doing and we still honestly don't really know 100% <laughs> what we're doing like
3: no you know, one does man just go with it it's pretty yeah
1: exactly and that's what we're doing we're just going with it and it's you know we do try to have a structure to everything but sometimes you're you know it's every week is different with what we're going to do and who we're going to interview like we had 10 quick minutes to talk with Jeff Spring about one of the biggest yeah. things that ever happened in disc golf so far but then now we get yeah, that to was spend awesome. as, yeah now we get to spend as much time as we need to with you talking mm-hmm. about You know, just whatever, podcasts. And then, like, I can't Mm -hmm. wait to talk about the van life because I think you are the first guest that we've had on who's really living the van life. And, you know, like you said, the old school people who used to literally, you know, sleep in tents in people's yards. Like the Uli's, the Nikos, the Jeff Bennett's Yeah, dude, it's like, now we've slowly transitioned to the van life. But, yeah, back in the day, man, people were grinding.
3: (laughs) And the Airbnb life, too. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, like... That's, that's like turning into a new thing too. Like the van lifers are even finding, uh, just, you know, unfurnished Airbnbs with bathrooms and kitchens yeah. and, you know, just paying next to nothing. And, you know, we all park at the house for the week, you know, yeah. um, there's so many more avenues to like find nice places to yeah. stay now. Um, I can't fathom what it was like and, you know, just word of mouth, like oh, having yeah. to know the locals. And like, I've heard from Simon that, uh Avery Jenkins just knows every bar, every restaurant, oh, yeah. every player like he has connections in like every city probably because he wasn't out looking on, you know, Airbnb for a place. He was going out and in mingling with mm-hmm. these communities mm-hmm. and like really making an impact. It's kind of it's kind of wild, you know, what they used to have to do.
1: Yeah, I've always thought it was kind of like when I stay at people's houses that I don't know, I just kind of know of them or people have mm-hmm. introduced them to me, I'm kind of just like I feel like I'm intruding on their area. So it's always like kind of a gray area, but they're, but they love
3: it. But yeah, disc golfers it, love it. They'd, insane, they'd, that's yeah. why they open their house up. Yeah. Like if they offer you food, you take the food, you know, <laughs> Just like, like, all right, that, so... that's the disc golf community, yeah. man.
0: How about that time though? When you were over here, we were like, you got to come up and play this game. AJ's like, actually, I really think he'll like this game. And you're like, bro, I'm tired. And we're like, come up and play this
3: game now. <laughs> that was a blast. It was amazing. That was like, you know, those are the moments on tour you know, when I first started that I loved, I like, I think eventually it might end up like golf and people are going to get flown. You know, the players are going to be harder to access, um, because there's going to be more fans and those intimate moments are going to kind of go away. And this being starstruck is going to become a thing, (laughs) you know, because it's like these top players are like Pokemon, you know, like you have to find them in the wild and go watch them at the course rather than have eight of them stay at your house. But (laughs) (laughs) But can I
0: say that I actually think, and you just mentioned this, you said that, you know, being starstruck is going to be a thing. I actually believe that right now it's a thing. The difference is. Mm -hmm. It it is. uh, Yeah. The difference is maybe, if we're going to break it down just a little bit, is that there are two groups of disc golfers, those who have been disc golfing for, let's say the 10 year average, and those who have been disc Mm -hmm. golfing in the last year or two. Yeah. To them, the Paul Macbeths, the Ricky Wysockis, the big germs, true. the Uli- all these people, they are starstruck. Grown men starstruck, mm-hmm. and and I think the difference is, and and maybe I'm, <laughs> this is gonna come off as a millennial. Maybe I'm unique, but like I've created Ooh. all these networks and relationships with disc golfers for years, that now like, I see them more as friends,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as you're saying. As opposed mm-hmm. to being starstruck, so how many people, Brian, because you said it's true, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but there are definitely people you have fans out there, you must have mm-hmm. fans who approach you on the course, and um, starstruck might be a strong word, but you have fans who probably are very happy to meet you
3: yeah, it's actually kind of a wild thing that um, you know and for me it's it's because I've done a lot of things in disc golf since I started touring. So I think people recognize me from multiple things like the GBO ace that I had, um, my podcast, the commentary, the, you know, few people like used to read the blog that I had, you know, see, you know, seen me on coverage. I, it's a really weird feeling, but I've only had the starstruck thing happen like once or twice. And I was actually like pretty, uh, uncomfortable <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I don't know how some of these people who actually like legitimately have super fans, like I don't know how they do I don't know how Paul does it, but like, to be honest with you. Like his network is just so big. Yeah. And it mine's mine's decently big. Like it's interesting to know as a disc golfer that you know people all over the country now. Mm-hmm. You know, now we know people in Finland and whatnot, but someone like him that actually like has <laughs> pro athlete status, like it's so different. I can't fathom that. I'm
0: laughing because I'm a... like, how does he put up with Nick Carl constantly moving in
1: the house? <laughs> 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 so
0: I'm just rat, I'm just ratting, razzing on, uh, I think, Nick.
1: I think one of my favorite times, actually, oh, I shouldn't say favorite. One of the funny times is back in 2017 after PDGA Worlds down in Georgia, we were driving back from Georgia to Lynchburg and we stopped at Carowinds, the amusement mm-hmm. park down in the Carolinas. And we're just casually walking by, going to a ride. We're with a bunch of Hannah's friends and our friends at the time. And some dude is just like, oh my God, that's Paul Macbeth. We're like, yeah, we're, man. We're like, and that that I, that was one of the few, like, the first times because I've been living with Paul for a decent amount of time at that point. But that was one of the first times that we were in a public area, like a massive public area, and he got mm. recognized. Like, it was that was pretty cool.
3: It's so interesting. Like, yeah, yeah he's like a like a drop in the ocean, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember being, when we were in Finland. I think it was either Estonia or Finland because I got to go there last year. Ricky got noticed multiple times. Uh, it was it's just crazy to see like we were just talking about like disc golf is getting to this we're in this like awkward teen phase like we're in this growing pain where some things just look phenomenal and professional and polished and the players are starting to look like they're you know biomechanically studying the game now like golf and but then we have some things that happen that are so wildly unprofessional and like we're just not there yet that like i i love this this era that we're in right now Mm -hmm. there's so many fun like Uh, moments of brilliance that just randomly present themselves. And I think like the ESPN2 deal with the, you know, the huge payouts and the equitable payouts is one of those things. It's like a a teenager whose voice finally dropped, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like we, we, we did it.
1: We're finally. I think we
3: can grow from there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that that was kind of, and I I just wanted to throw that out there because I think why you were saying this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You were saying like you creating this show that you're doing, the podcast, the flight diary. Mm It's a document Mm -hmm. stories because we're literally, and you said this like right around the corner, or you said it won't be a thing eventually, where like you'll be able to Mm -hmm. do this. And I was just like, I think I think it's right there, and whether that's five years or two, but yeah, I think your show is going to be, again. I'm a fan of it. Um, I keep keep up keep up the good work on that for sure. I love it. So, um, transitioning a little bit here, I I try to, and I know it's funny because you're a fellow podcaster. Like you you get a guest on, you try to do some research and notes and try to figure out good angles to take things. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe one day I'll be a guest on someone's show and I can answer questions. But for now, for now, I'm the question asker. Um, so recently publicly, and I say publicly through social media, I don't want to make it sound like you made a big announcement. You talked about walking off Jonesboro hole 18 and how Mm, emotional that was for you. You you were talking about, and I don't mean to jump right into the tear factory, but like, it was was a, yeah, it was a, um, it's a big deal. And it's a situation I have never found myself in. Can you kind of go through what that was like and what, what was surrounding that, that made it feel like that to you because Um, yeah, I'm not a pro disc golfer and so I don't have those experiences and I would like to know more so I can maybe relate in some other way.
3: Yeah. So, um, so this year, like this whole year, everybody's like, oh yeah, this year doesn't count. You know, even, even though all the tournaments that we play count, everyone's like, ah, 2020 doesn't count. And, you know, it's trying to, like, make each other feel better and, like, oh, it's okay to, like, not play as many tournaments. And it's true. Discraft told us, like, you know, because of COVID and all these weird, like, regulations that have been happening, like, you know, Discraft was like, you guys don't have to play, you know, whatever number of events. Like, we'll we'll lower that number or just completely drop it. Like, take care of yourselves this year. Um, Whatever. Um, But for me, I just, like... I think I just have too much pride to, to buy into that. And I didn't go home and take a long break. Like some people did, like once the quarantine came back, I was, you know, I wanted to hit the road hardcore. Like I just love traveling and playing disc golf and, um, but you know, to go all year and, um, uh, man, the focus just was not there all year. Um, you know, I was trying to balance all these new things that were starting to solidify. Like I put, I was starting to push the podcast a bit more, Um, I was starting to get like, like more regular commentary gigs. Um, you know, it was the first year that I've been traveling with Lindsay full time. Um, you know, first time finally finishing the new van at the end of quarantine. Um, so it's just been go, 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 go since like the end of last season. And I just never put it together this year. And it was just like one heartbreak after the next. And, you know, my putt like midway through the season, some mental tweak happened and I was just missing these unbelievably short putts, and I and I was like reverting back to five years ago, like you know stuff that I'd not done in years, and it was starting to feel like I was going backwards, even though so many parts of my life were coming together in amazing ways. Like I I I finally switched my diet up, and I could finally commit to a diet change. And I've lost like 10 pounds. My inflammation has gone away. Like my shoulder feels better than it's ever felt. I've been stretching every day. You know, I turned 29 and it was like the first time I've ever like felt physical age, you know, be a factor. So I've done, I feel like I've done amazing jobs at like, you know, keeping that under control. And I I feel great. But then to go out each weekend and just not do it, just not get the job done. Um, even though it's like you go to the field and you're like, wow, I'm better than I've ever been. I feel like amazing right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have no pain. And, uh, Jonesboro, man, I, I skipped the, the main state championships to, to go straight to, um, music city, which was, you know, right after I just missed my, uh, Maple Hill invite for USDGC by like two strokes. So I go early. I practice music city all week. For pretty much a week and a half straight, I practiced the Cedar Hill course because that's the next qualifier. You know, there's two left at that point, and I played. You know, I played great golf. I played. I shot like two 10:30 rated rounds, and then the, the second round. You know, I had a couple really weird things happen to me in the woods, and I shot. You know, an okay round, and I missed the invite by two again. I beat 137 players, and still did not get the invite. I got 10th place at this A tier beat a bunch of players and still couldn't get the invite by like two strokes. So then I go to Jonesboro and then it's just like first time in my life. I usually have, you know, I got my invite one year at GBO. I got my one invite at Delaware. Um, I've never had to wait this late in the season to get the invite. So it's just all this pressure and emotion mounting, you know, and then again, like mixed with, my new responsibility as a paid commentator. Like I, I have to wake up early in the morning and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's just a lot of things I had to focus on this year. So I think just in general, um, I was, I was not on edge, but, um, it was just high octane all the time. Um, because I want to push all three of these new things, uh, equally now, just missing it at Jonesboro just sucked so bad. There's no way around it, man. I, I, you know, I played bad. There's no excuses whatsoever. Um, but I definitely had to rational rationalize it as like, this was my, you know, also my awkward growing like teen year. Um, I'm you know starting to have some amazing things cement themselves in my life. Um, I finally found like the balance of like you know, the paid professional speaking gig and then the creative outlet speaking gig. And then now my physical, like competitive side can also make me money. And it feels, my life feels more balanced than it's ever felt. So that's why it was just so frustrating to just not, not get it. And then I actually tried to qualify. I went on whole one USDGC at Winthrop on Monday and I waited for two and a half hours because they did that quiet registration. Yep. And all the, all these locals signed up that were like 900, 800 rated. Like, and I yeah. had to, you know, Johnny McCray was on the wait list. Pat Brown didn't even show up cause he was on the wait list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't tier the registration. So I was like, ah, whatever, I'll go wait and see if they'll, you know, someone will give me a spot. I wasn't even on the wait list, but I waited for two and a half hours, finally got a spot and I was playing solid up until like hole 13. I took a 10 and then after that I just walked off the course. I was like, God, this this whole year, man, I just can't play disc golf, and I no. I I feel better than I've ever felt, and and healthier than I've ever felt, and I just couldn't freaking do it, and um, yeah, I was kind of silent with myself for a few days after that. Um, it sucked. Like, you know, it's even though your sponsors are telling you everything's okay, mm-hmm. it's so hard to believe that. <laughs> it's so hard to believe that. Oh, don't worry, 2020 is. Weird year, but it's like, well, it's not weird for anybody else. You know, everyone else is playing fine. You know, it's just, I'm making it hard on myself because I'm putting a lot more on my plate, it feels like. So I I just have to accept that, you know, if I push all three of these things hard for the next few years, I will get, you know, get where I want to go, but it's just a longer process that I have to trust essentially. So that's, that's how I feel about that to give you a nice long winded story.
1: It's, it's crazy because Monday I was watching the U Disc live scoring and obviously there was a couple of people playing the Monday qualifiers that I'm just rooting for. And obviously you as another Discraft member and, you know, a friend at this point, I'm rooting for you, rooting for you, rooting for you. And then I saw, you know, you had walked off at that point. And I was like, man, oh. I was thinking I was like, maybe he tweaked something, maybe something in his back. Nope. But to kind of hear it now, um, the people can now understand it, why it happened. But yeah, I would, yeah. I would definitely say the same thing. 2020. People have said they're like, "Oh man, it's a bad year." Like, don't worry about it. And I'm just like, dude, this year has been beyond frustrating when it comes to competitive disc golf. For someone who like me is, you know, sub thousand rated. One of my biggest goals is Mm -hmm. to get to thousand rated. And after coming off of last year when, you know, my first year playing all pro events, I had an incredible year locally, especially Um, my cash at a pro tour event. And I was just like, man, I'm on a high right now. Yeah. And then coming into this year, my first big event was Waco. And then shot an okay first round, like, yeah, poor first round, but then shot a 10.26 rated second round. And I was like, dude, all right. Mm -hmm. Like, I found my groove again. My putt feels great. I'm like two strokes out of cash, and then boom, COVID hits, and they cancel the last round of the tournament. So then it's like, okay, go home. I get laid off for a little bit. It's too cold to really play disc golf still up here in Massachusetts. You know, it's 30, maybe 40 degrees in March. And then as Mm -hmm. the weather starts getting nice again, boom, I'm back to work and my work, yeah, yeah. my work this year has actually been obviously really good. Um, I enjoy it. I love my job. I really do. But, uh, when I see people and this is a bad mentality part of my point, but when mm-hmm. I see people who are laid off being able to get in two, three rounds at Maple <laughs> Hill yeah, yeah. and they're just working their butt off for the season for when it does restart. And I'm like, man, I, I just put in a 55 hour work week in construction. Like it's dark at you know, five o'clock here right now. I'm beating it was kind of like it was such a bad mentality on my point, but I tried sticking is, to like man. do a little bit of yoga, you know, try to go to the gym. And so when disc golf does come back, I can be ready for it. And so then I remember, you know, like my second event of the year was D-Glow. And then I go up mm-hmm. there and I was like, oh, let me just drive the day before. So I get one practice round in a rushed practice round and then go try to play an event after driving for 12 hours. I was like. Yeah. No. Oh my god. If I gotta do these events, I need to be doing them way smarter. I need to actually feel healthy going into them.
3: Yes. And it's yes. funny, so like the
1: end of the year I'm finally healthy. slowly starting to feel a groove again. But I know like I only have like two tournaments left. So.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I know, man. I I yeah. I feel that. And I think and, and that's why and I have to always remember that I'm fortunate to be able to even play every weekend mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who can't afford to do that right now with what happened. And it's it, that's why it's a weird year. It's not about me. It's about all of us. And and you know some people didn't even get a chance. There's players in Michigan who who when this all happened they locked down super hard. But yeah. and, you know whatever, good for them for for trying to handle it. But it's you know it's like that's the the disadvantage for the disc golfers. Like mm-hmm. props to Reed Friscura for coming out and swinging at, at some of these events. Like I'm I'm pumped that he's been shooting good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Because he, he, they were locked down in Michigan for a long time, so they didn't get to come play all these events. Yeah, um, they were on like a like a you couldn't even go outside of your house. Yeah, it was like it was like martial
1: long. law at that point in Michigan. Yeah, exactly.
3: Insane. But you know, I I that's what it is, and that's why it's like I've had so many people be like, dude, just give yourself some grace, like calm, like it's okay, man. Like, and at this point, like my my current mindset is that I, I'm spending my off season season in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I have, uh, a, a place that we're parking the van at and, uh, I'm going to be teaching lessons out there. Um, and I'm just gonna, you know, take this year to, as I'm sure you're going to probably do at some point, Nick, like kind of reset and, and detach from this year. Um, but it's going to be nice to have some time to kind of step away from constantly traveling and figuring out what the regulations are and where we can stay, where we can't stay. Um, And that's one of the parts of van life that's also funny is that the Planet Fitnesses are like half closed, you know, so showering has been been a funny a funny luxury that we've been hunting down kind of like the internet episode of south park where everybody's like moving to california because it's the only place that has internet yeah yeah
1: yeah i see Um, i see tristan tanner's instagram post and he'll say like oh planet fitness oh the shower is open at this one it's so funny (laughs) that like that's the stuff that makes me laugh
3: (laughs) shouting out to the van lifers he's like yep here we go guys we found one (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right everyone
1: (laughs) everyone meet at this spot
0: So I've been sitting here mm-hmm. trying to take it all in, and one of the takeaways I feel like, it, from what I heard you talking about, um, kind of your year, if you will, and what led up to Jonesboro and the trying to get into the USDGC, I feel like the the resounding anthem that I was hearing there, and and talk about this, USDGC, it's an invite only event. Is that something that you are? tracking through the whole year like hey i'm trying to get that invite and you can't really speak to other players i guess desires and and hopes but Mm -hmm. maybe you catch some of that drift but like what is it about this event i know it's a major but like is this is this more special we've had guests on this show who said they would rather they would rather win and this is nate sexton this was big germ Mm -hmm. Uh, they would almost, well, big germ talked two different things, but like Nate Sexton said, he would rather win another us championship over worlds. So like, what does this mean to you? Cause it seems like Mm. that was a big deal specifically, not just your play was poured not to get in, but like, you're trying so hard to get to that event.
3: Dude, it's, it's just, it adds this narrative to the season. It adds this like storyline, uh, that we love in sports, this like coveted tournament that's like secretive and like you can only get in at certain places all over the country. I think it's really cool to see locals play that you know play that one local tournament where that's a qualifier and get in. And it's such a it's such a cool story to watch unfold, you know, somebody's dream coming true and going to this place that has and again, like a lot of players say Winthrop is, is overrated as a course. And I, you know, it's not like I think it's a bad course, but I I think it's not necessarily uh, judged as a as like the hardest course but it's it's such a storied course i think it's just so rich in history of course you want to play that tournament and i think you know part of being on tour that's so fun is is chasing down that invite you know and some players you know i think take it for granted i think a lot of players like are are very very good they're pro athletes they only play disc golf they don't do anything else you know it's just a given that they're going to uh, get the invite and they probably don't view it as romantically as I do. But I think when I, that's what sports are to me, you know, and that's, that's why I do the things that I do because I want to add to that narrative. And I think, I think USDGC is that, and that's why, that's why I think it's such a cool event.
0: Yeah. And so I love you talk. about, they don't think about it as romantically as me, but I feel yeah. like there are a lot of people out there like that. Um, yeah. and so it's not crazy. I just wanted you to kind of elaborate on what that was for you. And you did it very, I think you did a very good job yeah. there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: so it kind of came up. I think you kind of mentioned this actually, uh, when you were talking earlier through some of all this, um, but you you said something about like your, maybe your health, wellness, all that stuff. But then mm-hmm. you started to say like, you're kind of feeling like a professional again. Um, can you kind of explain yeah. what that means to you? Because to me, I've never <laughs> I've never experienced that feeling because I've never been yeah. a professional. So like, uh, what is that to mm-hmm. you? What was that to you?
3: Yeah. I said that after, uh, music city open. And, and even though, again, like I, I felt like I played my heart out that week and I just, I couldn't get the invite again. Like I beat 137 out of 147 players and still couldn't get the invite. But that week I felt like I focused more on playing that week. I felt uh, like I was in the groove um, more than other weeks on tour. I wasn't scrambling as much. I Again, I skipped Maine the week prior, so I didn't have to drive 20 hours. Um, I was doing field work. You know, I was putting every day. I played like six or seven practice rounds at this course. Um, I just felt like I was a professional player again. You know, I think this year I feel like a professional in the disc golf world more than I've ever felt. But... Uh, I think the next step is to get that feeling back in the game while having the other parts of the, of the career, uh, kind of flowing on their own essentially. So that's, that's why my game just felt like I was putting the disc where I wanted to put it. I was thinking clearly, I wasn't distracted. I felt like every shot I was able to make an educated uh, decision. Um, whereas some, some tournaments on tour, it kind of feels like you're just going through the motions. It's like your 10th week in a row. You know, eleventh week in a row, and you're just kind of chucking the disc. Um, I felt like that week I found the mindset that I hope to cultivate every week next year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of felt like I found a new bar, even though I didn't get what I wanted. Um, I was, I was proud of how I, how I composed myself in the course. Essentially,
0: are, are you ready for like Matt Graham deep question? Hit me. All right, and and it can be as deep or as you can be like, wow, dude, I don't even get it. But would you? I don't say, ever do that. Okay. <laughs> and, cause I feel like, I feel like you're the person to ask this question too, and it's going to probably come off as very obvious, but are you a person and you, you're, cause you talk about self-discovery. Like I, I've, I've listened to mm-hmm. you, I listened to your shows, all that stuff, like developing as a person, yeah. are you, would you say, Hey, I'm a person and I'm working on me and disc mm-hmm. golf is something that I do as one of my avenues of being a person, you see what I'm saying? Like, where's your mindset at right now? Or would you say like, no, like I'm focusing so much on disc golf. Like that's who I'm Mm -hmm. a professional disc golfer,
3: man. So, um, great question. So I think the clearest answer I can give you is that over time I've grown to appreciate When I, when I first started playing disc golf, I'll back up. I only cared about throwing the Frisbee. I didn't care about golfing. Like I, I've been obsessed with the flying disc since I was like eight, you know, seven, eight years old. I used to play with this black, you know, whammo in my front yard, like all day. It was my favorite toy and it still is my favorite toy. Um, so I never really learned to appreciate golfing. As I've gotten older, my, my improvement in golf is hand in hand with my self discovery and self actualization. Um, there are some players, Paul Ulibarri has told me this, that he hates pressure so much that he can actually dissociate from himself when he's in the zone. Like he doesn't feel like he's in his body when he's actually on fire. Um, and I can't do that. I have to like for him, even if his outside life is a, is a mess, he actually sometimes can use that to channel in like this crazy energy and play better. I can't do that. That's just not how I am. Um, my outside life needs to be uh, in a good place for me to be focused. Otherwise, I care too much about fixing what's outside of disc golf. Um, so yes, to tell you, to give you an answer, my self-discovery is completely tied to my improvement in disc golf. So if I, you know, I'm, I'm this year I've learned more things about myself than I ever have. Um, does that mean I've been playing better? No. However... Uh, I think I'm in a place to get to the next level. There's a couple things that are beginning to come to fruition, like concepts that I I now know about myself, but I still have to practice Mm -hmm. and get better with. But yes, it's completely tied.
0: Wow. Dang. So Nick, you've been following Brian for a while. Do you remember when, and again, everything's online nowadays. I think this was a few years ago, Nick. Do you remember or maybe it's just me watching Brian kind of do this like public self discovery, almost like, Hey guys, I've had really rough. I've had this, I've that. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. He started posting Mm. videos, playing the guitar a lot, singing and all that.
3: I, that was a few years ago. Yeah. My blog, I think 2018. Yeah. Something like that.
1: Gotcha. I do remember the guitar playing. I don't remember that it had to do with anything else besides just, you know, putting up a video of him jamming. But uh, I mm. did know that he was a musically talented person from that.
0: Awesome voice. Yeah,
3: so, Thanks, Nick. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no
0: problem. So we got to keep notes and, and check boxes on who these musicians are that we have on the show. Because... I know, right?
1: Because next year when MVP rolls around, yes. we're going to have every single musician that we we're know starting is a disc a band. golfer. Oh, my God. Yeah. So downstairs in my house, I have this whole band studio. And uh, we have like, I don't know, probably four different guitars, a five string bass. I think nice. I, have, I have three keyboards. We have a set of drums, acoustic guitars, everything you want. Oh, we've got like 20 microphones. So every, everything we want to start a disc golf band next year at FEP I mean, Open, we'll do it. Well, if why Co- not? I think. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, why not that? do a live show and literally just have like a camera on like stage and like we just kind of schedule it out and just
3: go like it'd be awesome. Barsby, Philo, um, who else jams? There's a lot of players uh, I think. Supposedly that are,
1: Jeff Spring is a very talented musician. The Jomez well. guys. Maybe. Yeah, Jomez.
3: Kevin Jones rips the guitar too.
1: Decent. So we're Simon, gonna have, Simon Simon Lazat. Yeah, we're gonna have like twelve <laughs> different guitar players. And we're gonna have like one piano, <laughs> right. one bassist, and a drummer, hopefully.
3: I got a ukulele we yeah. can use. I'll use I'll play the ukulele. Heck yeah.
1: I think I think Barsby actually plays the drums, if I'm so, not mistaken.
0: So Brian, you mentioned earlier, and I'm while we get into this transition here, um About people, you know, heading into someone's basement on tour and like looking through Mm -hmm. their discs. You're like, you know, you have. And uh, one of them that stands out to me was Barsby. When I bought this house that you stayed in, the basement was not finished. It was just like an old basement. And um, I had boxes of discs and he had to climb over because I just moved in. I had piles of like I had couches and boxes. He's literally climbing over it. This is the first time like I actually hung out with him. And I'm like, yeah, dude, just follow me. And he's climbing over everything. We get back to this one box. He's rummaging through it. And it's funny because he actually took, and I gave it to him, uh, was it an ESP comet. He's like, oh, this one's money. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was back before he was back with Innova. That was his yeah. transition. Dude,
3: but. I would kill to watch him throw a comet again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd pay money to watch that. Right. That's a thing of beauty.
0: Well, I wonder, and this is this is another topic for us, Nick. I don't I don't really need to elaborate here, but I wonder how many pros in the future will not be tied to a single manufacturer if that's mm. going to be something. Because it would be very cool to see what discs everybody yeah, chose. I
1: guess it all depends on how big, infinite, uh, being <laughs> being one of the main companies who actually allows players to you know throw mixed bags and everything. Like Drew Gibson, I Nick. would say is probably the biggest mixed bag pro <laughs> player right now. So I guess it depends on how infinite wants to spread
0: Nick, how much money, (laughs) a lot, how much money would it take for you to let Matt Graham be your sponsor where you wear it on your hat and everything. I'll let you throw a mixed bag. Like what would be the dollar amount?
1: (laughs) I have no idea.
0: I I don't know. He's like, dude, I can't give up on discraft, but, uh, okay. Enough about us. Um, so anyways, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think where to take this here. I feel like, when I listen to your shows, you usually let the people kind of dig in and you just kind of let them talk and you just kind of let it build up. And I'm trying to learn from your show, Brian. And and mm-hmm. and one of the things that um, I'm interested in is what you would see as the biggest change mm-hmm. from your game, I don't know, a couple years ago to now, uh-huh. is it, is it again, is it tied to your personhood or is mm-hmm. it, is it more than that?
3: So I'm going through an interesting phase physically as well. Like not like like uh, fitness wise, but but um, I started touring in 2018 as a primarily sidearm lefty, which just is like a it's like a Walmart Walmart brand version of uh, you know a right-handed backhand player. Um, so there's strange, just not though. as much you have to be i mean yeah. it, to to generate the the close to the amount of spin that a righty backhand can throw you have to work so hard to get that disc to fly that way but um i just 2018 showed me quickly that i was very good in certain places my backhand's always been decent i can throw far or i could throw far but i just i knew that a backhand had a higher skill ceiling and i knew at some point i was you know with all my shoulder injuries that i had in 2018 i'm I'm not going to build a career off of a forehand. Um, it's good to have one, but the backhand is where you can really excel. There's not a sidearm dominant world champion ever. There's been mixed, but their default is always backhand. Mm-hmm. Um, so i I've been throwing more backhands this season than I've ever thrown. Like not even like choosing to throw backhand, but like walking up to a hole and your first instinct is, oh, I'm going to throw this like touchy backhand. Um, which I never used to have. So I'm just kind of evolving as a player. It's almost like I'm evolving laterally right now. My rating has stayed the same for like a year and a half, um, the exact same, but I feel more competent with the disc. Um, it's just a matter of kind of growing into that and, and maturing in that. Like I think I'm throwing the shots that I I want to throw now, moving forward. I just need to get more consistent with those decisions and not fall back on the sidearm when I'm um, fe- not feeling confident in the shot. Um, it's kind of like, again, I toured with Yuli, so I, I talk about him quite a bit because the way he approaches the game is just so backdoor different to a lot of people. But he, he explained to me that if you want to incorporate a new skill – you have to do it under pressure. And that's why he plays as, you know, he used to play 40, 50 events a year. And a lot of them would be like flex start C tiers and like little tiny tournaments. But he said he played a game at these tournaments where he would throw the techiest, hardest, most aggressive shot off the tee that he could possibly throw and try to win the tournament that way. He said the moment he felt like he was losing the tournament, he would then try to battle back and win the tournament with the optimal shots. So I've been trying to just this year get myself that exposure therapy that he's talking about in a much lesser degree. <laughs> like I'm not going to approach it like he does cause he's one of a kind. Um, but yeah, that's what's happening. So that's, I've been, I've been throwing a lot more like, you know, buzz, little f- subtle turnover shots when the shape is, is, is the right shape. Um, I've not been, you know, I've been throwing a lot more push hyzers, like slow flip up hyzers that drift over and push to the right. um, my my shots with a backhand are, are just becoming much more direct than they used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm able to land the disc a lot softer. I'm able to attack greens with a much higher percentage shot. Um, I don't always have to flick a zone if I you know if I don't want to. Um, that's what's happening, and I know that uh, my drives, you know, from my perspective, are on par with the best players. But it's it's scoring and scrambling on par fours that I lose so many strokes on. It's that intuitive up and down from 350, you know, 300 feet that I I bleed four to five you know strokes on per tournament, Mm -hmm. and that's where I screw up. And you know the putting fluke that I had mid season and towards the end of this season that I'm just gonna chalk it up as a fluke. I kind of switched my putt up to you know uh, something more comfortable, and I had to unlearn a bad habit. So I'm not worried about that, but it's more just like. Just executing the approach shot. That's the one thing I need to work on moving forward with the backhand.
1: It's pretty crazy, like putting woes in disc golf. And you're talking about the power fours have this year been kind of against you. But I think putting woes throughout the middle of the year where it's like, OK, I think I found this thing where it really helps out, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that, then I'm going to putt like that during the tournament. And then all of a sudden the tournament rolls around and then you putt it and you're like, dude, what the hell was that? Like, I It doesn't have I enough reps how, under Yeah, pressure, it doesn't you know, have like, that like like I remember earlier this year I worked on a new putting style and I was feeling phenomenal with it. Like even my dad said, he was like, dang, you just hit like 10 of those in a row. And I was like, yeah, yeah this actually feels really good right now. And then I remember going out to like a competitive, you know, maybe the first round of a tournament and I'm like 25 feet away and I just doinked the putt so short. And I was yeah. like, bro, I was like, I don't even know what that putt <laughs> was. And so then I wasn't getting any of like the wrist pop that I was doing. You know, I, consider myself kind of a spin putter with a little bit of snap. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I tried push putting it just, it wasn't working. It, it's insane. Yeah. Putting, putting woes for a lot of pros mm-hmm. are what, you know, just kill the tournaments, kill the years. It, Cause it's such exactly. a confidence breaker.
0: Have you ever forgotten? I'm going to use the word forgotten, forgotten how to putt. Like you've been on the course and you're trying and you're smart. You're smart because you're like, "I know what's happening right now. I for- yeah. I've forgotten how to putt, so I'm just going to shake it off and like somehow reinstall it and let's go." But like you can't. What do you, have you ever experienced that, and what do you think's happening there, Brian? Uh,
3: it's all I mean, it's all mental. It's all like like a weird like hit, like twitch that happens uh, in certain situations. Um, I actually quickly switch to straddle if I feel like I've forgotten my putt, um, and I just try to use my legs to get the disc to the basket. Um, I, I'm quick to switch. Some people are quick to switch to a, to a different putter. Mm -hmm. Some people are quick to switch to like Nico has been having a similar thing that I've been having his pitch putt or his push putt or whatever he has, like the pendulum dangly swinger that he does, um, has not been working for him. And he described to me, you know, when we were playing a practice round, it was like a skins match. He was like, yeah, man, like my heart, like. My, my chest kind of tenses up and I get sweaty. I go cross-eyed and I'm like, Nico, that's a panic attack, man. Like you're tweaking out on, on these putts. And that's why he switches to a spin putt. Yeah, That's what, that that's actually why he takes so long. He has a physical panic attack, like on some of these, you know, putts he steps up to. So the, the spin putt allows him to just like forget about, you know, his stroke and just throw the Frisbee into the basket. Um, if you watch videos of him years ago when he was one of the best putters in the world, mm-hmm he was much less stiff in his swing yeah. when he was putting from that distance. You can, you can see there, that there's anxiety and stress in his shoulders now when you watch him putt that way. It doesn't like freely flow like it used to. He's now forcing it. Um, yeah. So I, I think I get something similar like that. That's, and that's kind of what I do. I'll switch my putting style up.
1: It's crazy because I've said this before. I think Nico is probably the best practice putter I have ever seen. Like, outrageous! I have seen him Out- hit like outrageous. 15, 40 footers in a row with every disc in his bag. Didn't matter if it was a putter or yeah, a driver, he'll, he'll literally <laughs> just put his whole bag. And they'll all yeah. be just that right side hyzering and right to the middle. And I'm like, that looks like old school Nico. Because Nico used to be one of my favorite players to watch. And especially like when he won the uh, Vibram Open way back in the day. I The putts that he hit that year was absolutely insane. And so then when you watch him do that in practice, you're like, damn, Nico's back. And then in the tournament, like you said, he just tenses up. And then it's like, man, if he would just relax on it. But obviously, there's so many different mental woes when it comes to that. I don't Stuff know what happens, he's dealing man. with. Yeah. Anxiety's it, oh, so yeah. weird. Because we I I deal with it. I I am not a strong putter. <laughs> and I feel like if I was a strong putter, I would be that, you know, over thousand rated player, to be honest. There were putts yes. that let's say this last weekend that I missed that would have solidified me the win by a couple strokes. If everyone else played the same, obviously you can go back and talk about four or five strokes that you missed. But had I made some of those 20 to 30 footers that are, should be pretty routine. It's a whole different ball game. But-
3: Absolutely. And that's, that's the game right there is putting it's almost all putting. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's there, there's we need t- bigger baskets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's have bigger that discussion. Bashing, OK, yeah. so I, I think that's an interesting <laughs> tip that you just gave, though, and it, it sounds funny. But as an amateur, I don't think necessarily mid round to switch it up. And and obviously, you don't want to go into it saying I might miss this. I might need to switch. But like if you recognize that, like I'm feeling it like I'm, I'm or I'm not feeling mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's a, that's I actually like that tip. And I can do some straddle myself and some straight yeah. spin. So like. Maybe that's that's something that might help me improve, which kind of leads me to two, two, two questions here. Um, But one is because we talked about the mental aspect and you said, like, hey, it's, it's so much mental. If you were just to throw out a number, I throw out a number regularly, but I'm interested in yours. If you were to throw out a number, a percentage of disc golf being mental. Mm-hmm. and not mental like a mental case
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like a like uh,
0: mental game how much disc golf like would you let's prioritize it by importance how about that so like the importance of the mental game what percentage would you give to the game
3: I would give I would give disc golf is like 75% physical and 25% mental and I say that because how many ridiculously physically talented disc golfers do we see every year and they're just insane we'll see a video of like a you know, some random kid bomb a disc like 650 or like throw some beautiful shot. And you're like, who is this? You know, who is this kid? Why are they not like bigger? And of course, it's because their mental game, like the best players are separated from the solid athletes because of the mental game. So that that's like the, the final frontier to being like amazing. Mm-hmm. You can be uh, you can get a long way in disc golf just having one, you, you know, being a one trick pony and having a sick flex sidearm and a good putt. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to win the big tournaments, though.
0: I feel like what allowed me to beat Nick for as long as I did, because he's he crushed. I, I'm like a 940. Maybe I don't know. I averaged kind of good this last week. Yeah, Maybe I'm right, more yeah. closer. Right I, I might be 950 if we're saying average. Right but but in general, Nick's beating me by four or five, six strokes or more mm-hmm. around. And I feel like I beat him for long enough when he was learning because I had experience, which goes back again to mental game. I knew like, hey, this is a full round. You're going to have things not go your way. It's all put together, right? right? So I actually feel like, and I'm glad to hear it from you. It's going to make me think about it. I felt like mental game is almost, but I hear what you're saying. I felt like mental game might be more, but the reality is at the top stage level, you do need to have an extremely physical athletic talent as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah.
3: And well, there are some, there are some terrible players that can throw some outrageous shots too. Yeah. You know, so it, it throwing a Frisbee is one thing, but golfing is a completely different beast.
1: Agreed. Yeah, there are people like that just locally, like for everyone, where you have that mm-hmm. local kid who can just do everything. Cor- like, Yeah. He does the same thing, like that one trick wonder like you were talking about, but then when it comes to the rest of the game, he's just not nearly developed there.
3: It's like. learning how to golf, and golf is such a complex yeah. thing that people spend their entire lives studying, and we are in the infancy phase, and I think a lot more of those concepts need to get uh, bled into our sport. Um, and that's, you know, kind of what we're here for. That's kind of what the media and the podcasts are kind of here for is to, to, to get that information out into the disc golf world and legitimize our sport.
0: What is the biggest part of the mental game? Because you said, you know, like 25%, Mm. like,
1: this is such a funny mm. question because so many different pros will answer in so many different ways. Like, that's what I love about that question.
0: But so, like, yeah, I, I don't even know.
1: I actually, for once,
0: I've had people comment on YouTube. Or, or, I try to read them. Sometimes I don't. That said, mm-hmm. like, hey, Matt, don't be so, like, like pigeonholed into the exact detail of a question trying to get exactly what you want out of the interview, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I actually had no no opinion here. I was curious wow. to yours, like, what is the biggest part of the mental game? Is it, and I'll just leave it at that. I have, a, now they're starting to pop in my head ideas, but, like, what is it?
3: Okay. Um, My current belief um that I think I I've taught at almost every clinic I've done since I've discovered this I I read a lot of golf books I read a lot of sports psychology um I love sports psychology a lot and the one thing that I I think about when I think about the mental game is like if you are someone who has these like nightmarish freak outs in the course or you just you get so anxious about certain things um that's not a disc golf thing. It's like a personal issue that disc golf exposes. And I think the biggest one that you have to change, because you actually have to change your behavior. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go to the course to work on my mental game and then go home and, and not, you know, display that behavior. Because um, golf is, is the most honest thing that you can possibly partake in because there's no lying. The course doesn't lie to you. It says you failed right away. Mm. And Here's 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 a tip um, that I, I try to give all the time, and it, it works with putting quite a bit. And, and a lot of these fears in the disc golf course are so irrational, but it's because of conditioning. It's because of it's because of how we were conditioned as as children, as how, you know what happened to us when we got out of school and went into the working world, um, you know all sorts of conditioning. How often do you think, you know, what percentage of disc golfers Would you estimate, throw a putt, especially amateur players, and I would say a lot of pros as well, throw a putt, hit the cage from like 25, and, oh, that fucking sucked, terrible putt, you're so bad, like insulting themselves, saying the putt's bad. What percentage of players do something like that? Maybe to not that degree, but label their shots some variation of good or bad.
1: 98%
0: of them. Ah. Nick gives a high number. I, yeah. I personally, yeah, it
1: I see it all the time. I see I'm it. I'm guilty of it.
0: And it bothers so me. So what is it? I feel like the number, I mean, it's high, but mm-hmm. it, this is one of those things where and I want you to get to your point, but this is one of those things sure. where it's kind of like the vocal uh minority. Like you see it and mm-hmm. so it stands out to you. Um mm-hmm. but I wonder. Yeah, so keep going on.
3: So and and I think maybe I I maybe the, the sample population I'm thinking of is people that are trying to work on their mental game. You know, you, you get a question yes. in a clinic, you get a question in a clinic, like, Hey, I can't stop missing 15 footers. What's my deal. And a lot of times I, I think I'm still a hundred percent on this. I ask them, I say, when you miss a 15 footer, how do you feel? They're like, Oh, embarrassed, you know, miserable. Their buddies are elbowing them at the clinic, you know, laughing at them. And, um, it's be- that fear of missing the 15 footer and the crazy anxiety that people feel and to To make them not throw a frisbee fifteen feet um is from my current belief, a variation of how you 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 actually vocally talk to yourself about your shots it's either the the disc flew how you wanted it to fly or it didn't fly how you wanted it to fly, and a majority of shots you throw all round don't fly how you want them to fly i would I think Jack Nicholas or Ben Hogan said in in a round they were on fire they would say that they only hit about three or four perfect shots. That's what one of the best golfers of all time said that. Mm -hmm. So the problem with a lot of disc golfers is they labeled a shot that didn't go how they wanted it to go bad right from the get go, some variation of bad. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it brings up all this conditioning from childhood. You were a bad kid. You got an F. You're a bad student. You know, all these things that you hear in the world, it's always like yes or no, make or miss, you know, pass or fail. Um, and and, the, and that because of that, there's subconscious fear that, that, that kind of builds up in people. Some people more than others, and some people are fearless. And that's where we see champions that never miss 15-footers, never have those silly mistakes. But a lot of people have anxieties that are conditioned. And the game I try to get people to play is the next time you go out and play disc golf, count how many times you catch yourself trying to say that. and And that's the problem right there. So then to fix that... You only try to label your shots. It's the hardest thing in the world to do, but it's, it's a big deal. Try to label your shots, especially the ones that don't go how you want them, only objectively. So if you grip lock a shot and it goes sideways right, you just go, ah, too right. That's it. Because it was too right of what you wanted. Mm-hmm. That's it. And because of that, nothing gets brought up. There's no self-fulfilling prophecies that pop up, like, why did you just insult yourself? It's not a big deal. It's just Frisbee golf. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, all this back and forth in your head can start coming up. There's humiliation from insulting yourself, too. Like, so if you begin to just label your shots objectively, either it was perfect or it wasn't perfect. So, you know, once you begin to realize, like, wow, it's hard to throw a perfect shot, you kind of gain a different perspective and start thinking about these, you know, quote-unquote missed shots a little differently. Mm -hmm. So that's personally what I believe right now.
1: Objectivity. (laughs) I I actually really like that too because maybe this is just me, but I've I've never played a golf tournament and the tournaments that I have watched golf, like on TV or anything, you don't really, you don't always see their reaction. But I feel like in disc golf right now, especially as of the last few years, disc golfers have become noticeably more vocal after their mm-hmm. shots in a lot of different ways and sometimes it's you know not too bad a quick little you know mm-hmm. smack of the hands but sometimes and you know we've seen it on live camera or on post-round production cameras where it's kind of like there's profanity and you know stuff mm-hmm. like that to where it's like we're kind of getting a little unprofessional carried away okay. a little yeah, loud-y. And, and it like rowdy. I said, it, it might be like that in golf. I really don't know. I've never played a golf tournament, so I've never been on a golf course where, dude, when I'm on a golf course, I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Yesterday I hit the ball great. Today I don't even know how to hit it straight. So it's like, I draw profanity as a fun way <laughs> when I'm on a golf course. They're
3: quieter course. though, you know, they're yeah. quieter and self-talk is so important. And the words that you, you audibly say. Are, are a big deal because you're listening to what's coming out of your mouth. And a lot of times, if it's like a, an insult, you don't want to ever feel that way. So you're afraid of throwing the shot that will give you that bad result. It's like a new player that says to, says to themselves, don't throw it in the water. Don't throw it in the water. Yeah. Don't throw it. Of course, they're going to throw it in the fricking water. Yeah. You know, Dang, and of course, say, oh, you're a terrible putter. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to believe you're a terrible putter. Yeah. Like, you know, or like if a player that goes, oh, it's raining. I'm terrible in the rain. You know, I always say catch yourself saying that like, well, then duh, like you're going to be terrible in the rain eventually. So, you know, so that's that. That's my belief. No, that's Self-talk excellent. A big deal.
0: And and my only input, and I'm not a professional, but I've been raising children <laughs> to, to to play disc golf. And um, I say no. Let me clarify that I'm not raising children. They're to play specifically disc golf. only allowed to play disc <laughs> I'm golf. I'm raising. Growing my... up. <laughs> I, I am raising children that enjoy disc golf. And um, yeah. one of the one of the things that I've been learning with my son and is the mental game. It's huge. And for me, I feel so like hard. it's probably been. Um, I, I'm honestly going to say in the 13 years of playing the last year, like literally the mental game clicked for me. And, and there's a few things I can attribute it to playing with people better than me and, and mm-hmm. playing with professionals. And it, it sounds almost opposite. Like, so when Paul would come around town or you would come around town or at AJ or whoever, and I would learn from them. Now that's called like what gleaning that's like taking what you can learn, but like I would watch yeah. them throw what is a bad shot and still save par. And and I would realize like the bad shot is not the end of your round. Like it's a part of your, and and I try to teach this to people too, is like, they'll throw a shot on hole 14 gold at maple, a a new guy, a a younger guy, a 17 year old. And he goes, this hole ruins my round every round. And then he throws Ah, the shot ah. and it messes up and he takes a four, a bogey or whatever. And he goes, every single time it ruins my round. And I go,
3: that's the self-fulfilling prophecy right there. Cause he's right. He made himself right by doing that. And so, but here's what I tried to
0: tell him. And it was kind of like a quote came out of my own mouth. And I was kind of proud of myself. I said, like, that is not the whole, like that hole did not ruin your round. I said, that hole was a part of a good round. And Mm -hmm. and it's like, the idea is like, you have to, and I'm teaching this to Hunter. That's my point here is like for Hunter, I say, imagine your whole round. You know, it's not going to be perfect. Just like you were just saying, like, it's not Mm -hmm. going to be perfect. I said, pick a number in your head. Let's just come up with a number. You're going to have eight bad drives today, okay? Yeah. And yeah. every time you have a bad drive, just check mm-hmm. it off and say that was one that was going to happen this round. They're going to happen. That was one that was going to happen. And when you do that, I said, you start checking them off, it leaves less opportunity for mistakes later. And and, and it's just the mental game is like, you. I know we start at hole one, and we go to hole 18, but like who's to say that your round didn't actually start at hole like 14 and it wrapped all the way back around to 13. Like you don't have to say like this hole ended my round poorly. It was part of your good round Mm -hmm. or it was a part of your round.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that it comes down to also, you know, some people are more dramatic than others. Some people over sensationalize, you know, quote unquote failures, you know what they consider a failure is so different. And I think that's a huge problem with people is they think that a mistake you know, uh, throwing a shot. That's not what you want. That costs you strokes. They think it's like the the worst thing that possibly could happen to them. And they over sensationalize it. And I think again, going back to like, I now, now that I learned this, I, and, and read this, I share it all the time. But like, again, like one of the best golfers of all time, you know, said that they only hit like three or four perfect shots, even when they're on fire in one round. So like, Like, calm down. Like, you're not going to probably throw that many perfect shots. Like, that's what we chase in disc golf is that one shot, that sick drive that we have Mm -hmm. where we send it, we're like, okay, it's going to flip at 300, and then it's going to drift over a little bit at 320, and then it's going to flatten and land softly. Like, that happens a couple times around exactly how we want it. Yeah. There are some shots that fly that way, and they're a little offline, and they're still like good result. Mm -hmm but I'm saying like the perfect, perfect shot where like your visualization was exactly what your body did. That does not happen often. So then what is every other shot? They should be all counted as the same. And it's just how it is. (laughs) It's perfect or it's not perfect. So I think the problem is a lot of people don't realize that. And, you know, you don't have to label it as good or bad. Like Nate Doss says the best mindset is just completely level. Mm. You know, just completely level, not too high, not too low. So that's what, I'm, that's what I try to talk about. Like all the rest of the shots, celebrate the perfect ones because it feels super good. But the rest of them, condom is the same. Mm-hmm. Just be like, all right, you know, either a good result or a bad result. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't what you wanted. All right.
0: No, that's right. awesome. That happened. I, uh, this is literally my, f- like these types of conversations have to be mm-hmm. right up there with my favorite because one, okay. it helps me with the disc golf game that I'm not so good at. I I I I downplay myself.
1: I'm decent. <laughs> he does downplay himself. 940 is good, lot.
3: man. 940 is not
1: yeah. it,
3: 9 that's like a plus 6 or 7 handicap in golf. Oh, that man. means you're and a good golfer.
1: Matt Matt's putting is well above 940. Yeah. I will 100% that, say that. I appreciate that, Nick. Yeah.
0: Let's go. So, actually, quick side quick quick side note, Nick, this is the anniversary of your first ever disc golf tournament. Oh yeah, I and saw that. What? On a, what was it? Eight years ago, newcomers ball. Me and Nick, yeah. dude, doubles partners. His first ever Whoa, tournament. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep.
1: And we got third out of like twenty or something. Yeah. So like not. That's bad. amazing. Yeah, it was sweet. I actually I don't remember a single shot of that tournament. That's <laughs> no. the funny part is that like, which is kind of surprising because my Z, first Z nuke, my first win. Oh. Yeah, Z nukes, dude. I was throwing Z nukes, <laughs> old school Z forces, had a buzz first had, tournament ever. Yeah. I I was putting wizards back then. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. I was I was a big wizard guy and uh, it's funny cuz I actually I hate beaded putters now. And uh I yeah, I don't remember a single shot from that tournament, but yet I remember <laughs> nice. a large majority of my shots from the first Am2 tournament that I won, which was only a year after that. So, yeah. I don't know. It's cool. I don't even remember, did we play it at Maple or Pyramids? It was probably Pyramids. I think it was Pyramids. <laughs> Love pyramids.
0: So, yeah. so we Great got, course. oh, they're shut down right now since COVID started, but yeah. they're building a huge pro shop right now, which is going to be awesome. I think it's probably going to rival some of the best pro shops in the, nice. in the world. I think so. That's we'll see. awesome. Um, so we jumped off that topic. We're not going to keep you forever, but I, I do want to say like, what tips would you give? And, I I heard you say, like, you can't work on your mental game per se, like, on the course. Like, you can obviously exercise it on the
3: course. Yeah, because it exposes more of the things you need to work on.
0: Yes, but, like, off of the course, what are some things that you're doing to work with mental game? We've talked to Seth Muncie Obviously, he does a lot Mm -hmm. with the mental and physical. Um, And I've thrown it out there before. Like, I've gotten, (laughs) this is going to sound awesome, I'm getting professional help. And I have been for the last year Mm -hmm. or two, like, actually talking to somebody about, like, the way I think. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the best money I've ever invested ever I agree. In, and to me, a lot of it's awareness being able mm-hmm. to, it's called, it was like called like acceptance therapy. It's the idea of like, it is, mm-hmm. as you said, like a- acknowledge the shot for what it was. And I exactly love that. Not, yeah. Yeah. So it's so, so hard. Yeah. So what would you, what would you take? I mean, besides working mm-hmm. on, uh, you're just personal development off the course that's Mm going to look different for everybody. Okay. So like, I mean, I, but, but what are some tips? Um, I don't know, I guess you could leave it at that, but what are some tips for, for these players to get better?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I understand. I completely understand what you're saying. So for example, um, first off, I think reading is a huge deal. Um, whether it's a disc golf or, or like a golf specific sports psychology book, or it's some sort of like um something that you know you might struggle with just as a human maybe you're really self-conscious about what people think about you you know maybe you're um maybe you're feeling really apathetic and not motivated like find some sort of book and read it and just absorb information and open your mind to other people's ideas um i think you know a couple times i i've read a lot of books and i really love reading and i love listening to other I love listening to these intelligent people who have taken the time to spill all these amazing thoughts on the paper. Um, I think that as long as you can keep doing it, you'll find a book eventually that just speaks to you and hits you really hard. Um, And it's, you know, I think there are books that just fundamentally change you, especially if you go into reading a book with the intent of being influenced and changed. Um, I think that can do wonders for you because it makes you think about different parts of your childhood that might have been, you know, uh, I think just childhood is a very important thing in general to to understand and rationalize and put into perspective. Um, there's just so many moments in life that I think books can help rationalize and, and help you through that I think can help you think more clearly in life, uh, rid you of shame, guilt. Um, and, and actually, I you know, in regards to working on it myself, that's been the biggest thing for me. I I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many books I've read, uh, about like, you know, self-development and sports psychology that just hit me super hard. Um, and have made me fundamentally think differently. I think the other thing, man, you mentioned going to therapy. I actually started seeing a therapist this season right around. Um, I started seeing like a teletherapist, like, uh, Right around like Idlewild time, mm-hmm. saw her for a month pretty heavily, um, and just a different perspective from someone who's completely unbiased to you, who doesn't know any context about you. Yes, um, please go seek help. It's not a waste of money at all, um, and some people feel really uncomfortable opening up completely. Um, you know, because it's it's really hard, and some people come from a really rough background, and there are things that they've done that. Uh, you know, things that have been done to them that just, uh, kind of stew within you and you kind of repress it and forget about it. But I think they cause a lot of the fear and anxiety that can pop up on the disc golf course. Um, and it's, again, I talk about conditioning. Um, I think what reading and educating yourself, um, and seeking that, that, you know, I don't, I I don't want to sound like a hippie saying enlightenment, but seeking that, that peace whether it's through a therapist or reading or speaking with like-minded people who have been going through the same thing, it's instrumental to growing as a disc golfer I, and a golfer in general and a human in general. Um, but I think that's the kind of thing that will put the sport in a perspective for you that will make it feel more approachable. So that's that's my mindset on it and that's what I do.
0: You're You're making me smile so much because I feel like we're 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 literally on the same page here like and one of the most amazing things about this is is that people are probably right now going bro you take disc golf way too serious (laughs) but like it's messed up man why would
3: they say that about somebody else this is the (laughs) this yeah
0: this is the question though that i was trying to get out earlier but who knew the show just needed to to go around here to make it back to the Mm -hmm. end was i was saying like are you a person Are you a person who disc golfs or are you a professional disc golfer who's working on his part? And like, I really feel like they're, they're intertwined, but to Mm -hmm. get better at disc golf. And I heard you say this is like, Mm -hmm. you have to work on yourself. And like Mm -hmm. you were getting deep there, like go read books about your childhood and all. And it's so true. So like, if you Mm -hmm. feel like it's weird, like whoever's listening right now, Like give it a try and it's going to sound funny, but go cry it out a little bit, figure out who you are.
3: (laughs) Straight up. Here's the last thing I'll say about that. When you work for yourself, I don't care what business you're in. When your passion is your job, it's not a uniform you put on every day. It's not a costume that you put on, you know? Uh, Eventually you put on the costume enough times uh, and it feels uncomfortable being a professional disc golfer. Now it feels like my clothing because it is every day for me. And I, you know, golf is every second of every day. What are you doing? You know, so that's why I take it seriously because it's all I do. So, of course, it's not a costume I wake up in the morning and put on before I go to work. It's the clothing I put on. It's not a uniform. So that that's that's why I take it seriously. I, it's because it's me. <laughs> so, it's of course, it means something to me. Yeah,
1: That's pretty great. I remember doing a financial class called financial peace and the guy who ran it dave ramsey one of his famous quotes was winners read and i'm awful when it comes to reading like books and everything like Mm -hmm. that and i need to be better with it which is a goal of mine this off season i've Mm -hmm. put together a very very strong list of goals that i'm excited to work towards especially you know when tournaments are all done which i think at this point i have two maybe three tournaments kind of left on my plate and then i'm excited to hit the off season like normally i just want the season to last forever obviously i just want to keep playing tournaments i love that mojo that tournaments Mm -hmm. give off but i i truly am excited to look back on my year and say look these are the things i gotta do differently and like you guys are saying you gotta pretty much figure out who you are and complete Mm -hmm. certain things in your life that are incomplete and yeah I don't know. Definitely. It's pretty exciting. Times coming up. Let's yeah. go, dude. Pretty exciting times. To the I, I've heard you say it before. You can't wait for the off season two to really get back in it. And I don't know. Maybe it was GMC or MVP. I remember you talking mm-hmm. about it. But same thing you were saying, you know, I can't wait to get practicing, you know, like a good regimen. You were dieting better, like you were saying earlier. Conditioning. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited. I actually saw his name in the chat board. But Seth Muncy from Disc Golf Strong, I signed up for the class that he's doing. Just recently, Let's go. he's great. And I am so beyond pumped to actually get moving with Seth Muncie's course. I'm very, I'm a very, I'm very bad at going to the gym and just thinking to myself, okay, mm-hmm. what am I going to do today? Bench press and then do some tricep curl, yeah. you know, whatever. But like, if I have a structured plan to go in with if he's
3: programming for you, it's easier. Oh
1: my God. Yeah. The, the next thing I, you know, I obviously want to figure out a nutrition plan. Um, yeah. but I, so I actually, this was one of my goals is I, I used to, well, you know, I like to say I stopped right now, but, um, I haven't chewed tobacco or drank a Coke in 20 days. And yes, this dude, is the, the longest go. it's been in, you know, a couple of years now. And Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is my favorite, favorite drink of all time, mm, but I'm actually, drink. So those are two things that I'm cutting out of my life. So Yeah, I can't wait. Every champion
3: makes (laughs) sacrifices, that's for sure.
1: So 20 days, I can't wait for it to be, you know, 40 days, 100 days, and keep going up from there. That's it's gonna plan.
3: start feeling like yeah. your clothing. It's not gonna feel like you're you're a guy who's quitting pop. You're just yeah. a guy who doesn't drink pop. Exactly. That's what's pop, gonna happen. Such a
1: weird word. <laughs> We're pop. from oh, sorry, New York. We're soda.
0: We're from New. I love it. I yeah. love it though. And My and man. so yeah. Brian, I- I'm just gonna say like people are commenting. We have seen the live chat all night. This is their favorite mm-hmm. interview yet. We're seeing lots of positive stuff come in. I, oh I just, yeah, nice. Yeah, and people are also a lot of people are shouting out your uh, podcast, and they're saying like, "Hey, if you like this, go over there. It's really great." So there's been a lot of awesome chatter on great. there. Um, I really hope you know amazing success for that for you. I know, and I can't say I know, but I, I'm relating to you and how much effort actually mm-hmm. goes into this. <laughs> Yeah. So I wanna but it's just, so fun. It is it is fun. And I'm glad you could come on. And honestly, when yeah. we want to get deep again, we'll have you on again. And and to our listeners, if you just comment and let us know what you thought about this this like element of an interview. Like every interview is gonna be different, but mm-hmm. this you brought a vibe tonight, Brian, that we really appreciate. Um Let's go. also while you're on there, shout out to Chris Carpenter. He just did a five dollar super chat. He didn't want us to comment anything, it looks like, but he just said thanks. Yeah. So
1: well, we'll give you, you know, since we're kind of wrapping things up, we'll give you your, you know, 30 seconds of a shameless plug. Where can the people find you? Where can we find, you know, the flight diary, everything like that?
3: Right on. So, again, thank you so much to everybody um, who has shown me and my passion's support. Um, it's pretty mind-boggling that, you know, I've been able to do this um, for a living, and uh, I hope to continue doing it until I'm old. Like, wh- whatever that may look like, so thank you all so much for, for listening to what I have to say and the ideas that I have and what I want to bring to disc golf. Um, the Flight Diary is on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, I think Pocket Casts, Breaker, Overcast, uh, Google Podcasts. Um, it's on a lot of the main platforms for um, podcasting. Um, also, there is going to be a Patreon uh, popping up soon. I've hit a lo- I have actually had a lot of people asking me like how they can support me, kind of building this archive. Um, we have one in the works, we're working with a guy to completely rebrand all the artwork. Um, we're using like a temporary thumbnail so we can just put it, you know, episodes out. Um, but I have one of my favorite graphic designers kind of hoping, you know, looking to, um, or working to completely redo the look of everything. So, um, that's coming, um, again, the support on the Patreon will go towards me getting plane tickets this off season to hopefully go to Clearwater interview Climo, get out to California, interview Juliana Corver, all these legends of the game that I can start preparing heavily for. And any financial support will allow me to commit more time to it. Um, Thanks to Discraft, wander disc golf, grip bags, um, Delwood disc golf in Illinois. Um, just people that I love and, and, and clearly have shown me love back for quite, quite some time. So thank you all so much. Um, man, I love the disc golf community. Um, Peace out, guys.
0: Peace out, brother. All right, man. We will catch up with you another time, and uh, good luck again, and we'll, we'll catch up with you later, dude.
3: Right on. Actually, real quick, if you're yep. still listening, subscribe to Gatekeeper Media on YouTube. They are the most underrated disc golf media company out there. They're phenomenal. So Great shout-out. They're full-time commentator, so um, you'll be hearing me on the mic uh, at all the big events next year, too.
0: Heck Great yeah. shout out. All right, man. Good luck with your yeah. success. And um we'll reach out again sometime and catch up.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. Love you guys. All All right, right, man, have good bye. Peace. All right, bye. All
0: right. So that was uh Brian Earhart of Discraft Disc Golf. But you yeah. also-
1: you can find him. He forgot to say this, but you can find him on Instagram, Brian underscore Earhart. Um obviously he posts a ton on there. Uh stuff with his podcast, everything like that. Find him on Instagram. And like you said, check out his podcast. It's, you know.
0: I totally am down for like cross promoting. Like he has to have you on now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) No, no.
0: But but no, the reality is like this kind of a show. We do have people saying it's their favorite. Each there's different types of people in this world. And every show is not going to fit everybody. In fact, again, we'll just reiterate, we did the 2000 subscriber giveaway. Mm -hmm. We had people comment their favorite episodes and there was. Like, everybody has a different favorite episode. It was so
1: diverse. It was awesome. We had tons for the, you know, the Hannah Macbeth episode. We had tons with the Paul and Hannah.
0: Chuck uh, Kennedy. Chuck
1: Kennedy. John Houck. We had the Big Germ one. A ton of Big Feldberg. Germs. And then the episode that we were doing, actually, when everyone was commenting with Simon. Yeah. I I, I want to say that one probably got the most. That was just such a fun episode. I am I love having people in studio.
0: Dude, we ended up with, like, I, I could be wrong here. We ended up with, like, 600 live episodes. Uh, watching Five, our show
1: i think 5:45 we hit it was insane anyways way, yeah way great, amazing so thought, if you're still but. here
0: listening to the show we still have some topics we're going to talk yeah. about usdgc media uh we're going to talk about hole 17 at winthrop we're going to talk about the professional disc golf association membership mm-hmm. um and so real quick would you just hit the like button the thumbs up it just helps so much with the algorithms of youtube would you share it? Would you leave a comment tomorrow or the next day? Um, we are starting the 3K subscriber giveaway, so we're mm-hmm. on our way. Nick, this month alone, we had like 1,500 subscribers, yeah, which is just it. kind of – and over it's like been, a million minutes watched on YouTube.
1: That's insane. That's a big number. In
0: one month. Yeah. so That's like, a huge number. Then It's really cool because here's the thing, and I want to be very clear. I, I think disc golfers are very cool. They want to support us. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. We obviously are not the best. We're working. We're trying to be as best we can. And we appreciate the support yeah. so much.
1: Matt, you'll you'll be better in my book if you get rid of the Skype window oh, on my screen. ha, <laughs> oh, my man.
0: So here here's where we're transitioning to a topic. Okay? Transitioning to this topic, USDGC Media. Mm-hmm. You said you checked it out a little bit. Um, let me just kind of put it out there. Since we don't have a guest now, I don't feel as bad not talking over them all the time. I know, right? Um, but, you can talk over me. Yeah, I'll just... Nick, this is the Nick. I mean, the Matt show tonight. Yeah. No, um, the disc golf network for people who are new to the sport, mm-hmm. the disc golf network is actually a new thing this year. And the disc golf network is owned by the disc golf pro tour.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And so they procure and they create, they create uh, content, but they also take content from people who would like to submit it. For instance, the party podcast. Mm hmm. Uh that's Shout out content. To the
1: party podcast. Yeah.
0: Hannah Macbeth and uh Christine, Christine Jennings. Jennings. So like they create content. So the mm-hmm. Disc Golf Network, I'm I'm getting to the whole USDGC media. They create content, they take content, and they pay for it. They they core uh what's the word I'm thinking of here? Uh they anyways, they curate it. They get mm-hmm. it all put together. Mm-hmm. They created a one hour two two one-hour segments a day for the USDGC where they're, like, talking about it. They're actually on the grounds of Winthrop Arena. That's where they're calling inside Winthrop Arena or something. They're talking. They're actually interviewing players that come off the course. They actually have a feed tap right into the actual live feed that they can actually bring in. Like, hey, we're going to go live right now out there. So, like, they aren't doing hole-by-hole. They're only allowed to jump in maybe on the last hole or something. But that's Disc Golf Network. That's already free for you if you subscribe. Mm -hmm. All right. We've talked about that in the past. Um, USDGC this year, and we talked about this a little bit a few episodes ago, but they released a pay-per-view model, okay, where you pay a dollar amount, you can watch this event. I am going to just flat-out rate right now my initial feelings on what I think encompassing all aspects of the media from USDGC, and I'm going to give it a solid... After this is, by the way, this is going to be after people listen to it, you know, after the event's over, but I'm only after the second round. I'm giving it a six, maybe a six and a half. I, I like, do you feel like that's high? Do you feel like that's low? Like, what do you think when you hear that number?
1: Um. Well, first, I want to interrupt you quick and go completely off topic. But John Browder with the Super Chat, $10. We really appreciate it, man. Same thing. No comment on this one. But just want to give you a quick shout out, John. Thank you again. Um. No, I, I think a six is very, you know, I, I think that's a good score for it right now because my, my biggest issue, the camera work could use a little bit. Like yesterday when I was watching the feature card, I felt like I watched more of the second card more than I saw the feature card. And then all of a sudden, you know, Paul or Eagle would throw a shot. And then, you would know, they'd be walking up to their upshot. So they'd go over to the second card. You'd watch them play the whole hole pretty much. And then all of a sudden the lead card is on the tee pad for the next hole. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? Like, I want to see those shots. But there is one cool thing where when you're watching the lead card, when they get to the next tee pad, then they go to the chase card and they say, okay, here's a quick little snippet of all four of their drives. And so they do a really cool camera work with that. The drone coverage is obviously pretty cool. Um, there's been a couple times where they skipped to the drone coverage actually a little bit too long, and then all of a sudden we're missing shots. We're missing disc golf shots. Some of them are very important, and I think like today, Paul was putting on the hole after 888. He missed his putt wide right, and then the camera just went to his reaction instead of you watching it roll 50 feet into the hazard.
0: So this is this is okay. So people some people are like right now in live chats. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's better than disc golf pro tour or the disc golf network. So here I I kind of preface it off. I said encompassing everything. So if we want to break it down, people are commenting about um, the commentators. Okay. Uh, yeah, we could break this
1: down into like 10 different categories. So that's why I said all around.
0: I said all around six and a half. And it could get it got better today. Day one, I'm literally going to say like a five. Okay, all around. Okay. Day two, I'm giving it a six and a half. And I guess if people want to know where the low numbers are coming from, this is coming from someone who cares about the technical aspects of things, okay? Technically, I felt like the microphone volumes were, uh, I, let me, there's two sides to it Hannah and Juliana. Yeah. Their microphone volumes, I feel like we're good. And, and people would be like, really? They're low. I like how it allows the atmosphere of the event, it's more realistic to golf. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. 100%. Then they brought on Philo and Ian Anderson,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and every now and then they'd get to the laughing, and it'd just be peeking out, like screaming in your head or wherever you're listening. All of a
1: sudden you hear a bunch of laughing, and you're like, what?
0: "So loud! what the heck so is going on? So yeah. it's the volume levels. Okay, so yeah. that was just kind of interesting. But the camera switching, to your point, they would totally miss following a disc altogether. There would be like a bird or a feather flying across screen. They'd follow it.
1: They fought, Yeah, that happened a couple times. Yeah. I remember watching that yesterday. More we were than just a couple like, Wait. times. Like someone threw on eight eight eight, and they threw this high hyzer, and then all of a sudden a low hyzer went across. But it was just a bird, and you were like, "Wait, what the heck just happened?" And before yeah. people,
0: I am not saying I'm the best catch cam guy Ooh. out there. But listen, for people saying like, "Oh, I have trouble fall, all this stuff." Yeah, I have done it. I have experience doing it, and I know it's hard. This is another topic. Write it down. Let's let's get back to it. But is the idea of like why did why does Innova feel it's necessary to hire Fulcrum, a company who does not film disc golf? That, that's like a hot take.
1: Yeah, like that's, I, I, that's
0: a whole conversation. Let's let's just jot it down for a second. Let's yeah. talk about again the quality. So the, the, I feel like 720p. I feel like the quality is not 720p. It might be the size of it, but I can't see the disc flying through the air, and it's oh. not my internet. I've tried it on all different devices. It's yeah. hard to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll do that cool reaction cam, like you mentioned. Did you see that where they put the reaction cam in like the bottom left corner? Yeah. As yeah, they're yeah. throwing. Yeah, now, I do like that. Until the catch cam guys following it, and the disc is behind the reaction cam screen. Yep. And you can't see what's happening. As your, to your point, it kicks up or rolls. Yes. Now. Four people think I'm being too harsh on Innova or USDGC like dude give them a break it's their first time. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first to say I've been on projects where you that needs to happen. You need to get better. But I I'm going back to Innova, the USDGC, probably the most prestigious event of all time. It's a major, the only major, especially of the year. this year. Why? Are, did they sign some agreement where like we're just going to keep working with you one event a year? But then the camera guys have to get trained on every single every single year. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Like people say they like it better than disc golf network. I'm seeing comments come in, but disc golf network has experience at least. Mm-hmm. And I feel like while some of the cool things that Innovas bring bringing in or fulcrum, I feel like I'm okay with some of those features not being there right now because the watchability mm-hmm. is better.
1: I was going to say, so some of the areas, but there are good things that are happening with the Fulcrum camera crew. And... We
0: can jump over to that if you want to, the good yeah. things.
1: <laughs> I, I also I want to reiterate this. This is all just our own general opinion. I wouldn't be able to go out there and do any better. I would do so far worse than a cameraman is doing right now. So we're just giving opinions on. We watch disc golf almost every single day, and this is our opinion of the matter. You know, that that's where we're coming from right now. But the good things, oh, like yeah, I'm um, not. I'm actually, not the. Someone end, actually just commented <laughs> this, where it was. You know Their replays are actually really smooth, and I think that was one of the things I was talking about where they did film what the chase card did, and then as the lead card was in that little break walking to the next hole, you got to see where all the chase card drives landed. So there is cool camera switching, but sometimes they're forgetting almost to switch back to the lead card, and you're like, man, Eagle and Chris, like today you wanted to watch Eagle, Chris, and Ezra because he was on the chase card as well. And but sometimes all of a sudden you're only focused on watching Chris and Ezra, but you forget that Eagle just had eight birdies in a row because you didn't get to see all of his drives or you didn't get to see all of his putts. So I think with a new camera crew, like you said, they just have to be trained on, like, what are we really trying to watch? What are we really trying to focus on? And for events like this that we are paying pay-per-view, we do want to watch mostly the lead card. That's what I want to see. You know?
0: If so I see people saying, hey, thanks for talking about this because I was just about to purchase it. Let let me say this if you if you're still in the chat room listening. Uh Nick, uh, am I happy with the $40 I spent because I did the gold package. Okay. Yes, I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Matt, how do you rate it a six and a half and how are you happy? Here's how I'm happy.
1: Well, it's above a five. I feel like <laughs> four and a half would have been sad. Six no. and a half is good.
0: Yeah, because here's the reality. I'm watching live disc golf. Mm-hmm. Am I being picky as a podcast? talk show host right now yes i am telling you the things that i think were negative negative. and the reality is do i have actually phone numbers in my contact list that i could text over there today being like hey fix that i do but i'm not gonna do that mm-hmm. it's i realize they're probably working on it and that's it's gonna get better yeah. every day it's yeah. not my place obviously I have probably zero sway there and it'd just be a horrible decision on my part to text anybody. I know they're working on it. I've been on teams where you have to work on those things, video Mm -hmm. production teams. Um, so I have no doubts that they're going to get better. My question is again, why not give it to an experienced crew to do the live production, the switching the whole nine yards? Why did they not go to the disc golf network? Why? I'm trying to think. What would be the reason? And, and my hot take is, innova owns the event i'm going back to this again and they do everything that is going to say like this is ours and we're going to be we're going to show that it's ours and like this is not tied to the disc golf pro tour this is our event
1: that's that could be one reason is that they just want innova branded over everything and anything that has to do with the uscgc which you know i get i do understand it's a very big business move that they're doing um Obviously, you can nitpick between what the Disc Golf Network does, between what Volcrum is doing at the moment. But I do think that because last year they had Volcrum, they had, you know, a whole seating area for the commentators who were doing it. They had, you know, a booth on 17 to kind of watch what's going on there. You know, there's a lot of cool things that I think as years do progress with this event, if Innova keeps going with Volcrum, that it, it slowly will get better and better. And honestly, I, I was very happy to pay $20 yes. to watch live disc golf at the most prestigious event. My, you know, one of my best friends is on the lead card and my other best friend is killing it with the commentary for the FPO. I, I have to say this. The Wait,
0: what what friend's on lead card, man?
1: Well, Paul was on lead card. Oh. Yeah, spoiler.
0: Oh, oh, well, yeah, I don't even yeah. know. Actually, I tuned, I tuned out with three hours oh, left. Gotcha. So, yeah. Can I reiterate? I, th- I think he's
1: on Chase Garb. Can
0: but... I reiterate? Am I happy with the money that I spent? The answer is yes, mm-hmm. I am. I'm just being very honest and, and they don't need my opinion, but this is a talk show. So like we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, the things that are. Oh, and by the way, I'll just shout out another name. Terry Roddy. Have you ever met Terry?
1: Nope. Terry so. is a
0: CBS Sorry guy. Sorry if I have. I don't think he's like literally like at the US Open. Like he's actually on like the crew that produces the shows for d- golf. OK, like he's there, like for the the match, like with Phil and Tiger, like that's, that's who Terry Roddy is. OK, and he's down there. He's on that team helping with the production for the USDGC. So I know they have experience on the production. It looks the cameras like the product is is well thought out. Mm-hmm. It's just coming together day by day right now. Yeah. So. I know they know, and, and I'm, I, if I was on that team, I'd be proud of what we were accomplishing, so yeah. I'm not trying to say that. Um, I, I'm happy with the money we spent. I guess I'll leave it at yeah. that. Some of the cool things as you mentioned were the replays.
1: And like I said, we we are beyond spoiled as <laughs> disc golf fans when it comes to the coverage that we've had in the past. and so when a new uh avenue, new revenue comes into the sport with Volcrum, I mean we same thing, we got to give it time you know, they're potentially only going to get better and better. And if Innova doesn't feel like they're getting better then yeah, maybe next year the disc golf pro tour does step up and, you know, Innova works out a deal with the disc golf pro tour and now they're the cameraman for the event, you know, that could potentially happen. I see someone in the comments writing that there's a two-year deal. Potentially. I think they had a two-year contract in place with Fulcrum.
0: So that could be part of it. I'm not really it sure
1: that could be it, but I mean, yeah, who knows? So,
0: Lots of people are jumping in on this. It is relevant because obviously the event's happening right now. Nick, um, who's going to take this event down? What you know after two days. It, it, we don't have to do spoilers here, so you don't have to say placements. Well, but like, yeah. Who do you think's going to take it down?
1: Uh, first off, before I say that, I, you know, I don't know if Alex Rus- Russell has ever listened to any of our podcasts, but <laughs> huge shout out to him. He tied the course record today at 15 down, which is the all time course record. I know this course changes basically every single year. But the all-time course record, I think, ever on this course was 15 down, and he tied that today, which is freaking insane, dude. Bogey-free, three pars. That's so. Shout out to him. But eagle.
0: Chris, that's my pick. Eagle.
1: eagle. Eagle's your pick. So I, you know, I'm very, very keen to say the same thing. I'm
0: not counting Paul out.
1: No, 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 not no, And no, no. that's no.
0: even knowing what I know.
1: But I also, you know, Chris Dickerson shot 14 down today with a bogey.
0: Chris Dickerson is a very Pretty good player. player.
1: Yeah, he's a very smart, methodical player. And when he's kind of in the zone, like Brian was talking about earlier, Ula Berry gets into that zone where he doesn't even know he's there. I think Chris Dickerson gets into that robot chicken, you know, and he just becomes the limestone laser that he is. And he literally just, he doesn't really do much wrong. So it was Who's very your pick
0: then you said Eagle.
1: No, I'm going to go opposite of you. I'll go Chris. <laughs> you say Eagle. I'll go Chris. All right. So, so.
0: I just realized before we move on from the topic of USDGC coverage, I I would be remiss because we did not hit on this. Some of the goods, right? Some of the goods, I will say, I talked about the microphone volumes, but I actually really, really, comment if you agree, really like Philo as a commentator a lot. Ian is a great contrast to him or or like comparison, companion, whatever, to Mm -hmm. his commentary. But that dude... I at first, the very first time I heard him on Central Coast, I wasn't so sure. I yeah. thought it was too laid back. Like I was like, uh, eh, he just kind of says what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. But for this live commentary, I'm finding him like, so Ian will be like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. And like Philo will be like, no, like that uh or or Philo fi- or Ian will say something and Philo will be like, yeah, or like it just, I don't know how to explain it. You have to listen to it to get it philo is straight up like i'm a professional and i'm telling you like so ian wants to be like oh ab comes out of the gate like oh seems like ab's just not feeling it or like you know it's like struggling maybe it's nerves and Mm -hmm. philo goes no he's like no just he's putting it together you just give him some time like that's not what you can't just make that story right off the gate
1: i know right a couple holes (laughs) in i see i'm actually the opposite Of what you're saying right now. Interesting. Um, My favorite, actually, right now, the FPO commentators, Juliana. I didn't talk about that yet, but yes. And Hannah for live coverage, listening, being able to just listen to them because, you know, at work today, I didn't really get to watch the FPO. I did, you know, when I was watching it, but just listening to them, it was so nice because they don't feel awkward when there's silence and which I actually really liked because when you're watching a professional sport, I don't want to hear a thousand jokes. I don't want to hear, you know, things about different tournaments. I don't want to hear things about, you know, the luck that people are getting on the course. I hate that when I'm listening to commentaries, how lucky a player can get. It's it's just annoying to me. But Hannah and Juliana Corver are just very smooth. They complement each other very well when they're talking. Ian and Philo, I think, are great post round production commentators I really do I did very much enjoy Ian and Philo during the Central Coast coverage that Philo was doing but as live commentators I'm not I don't enjoy it and I was actually it's funny I was listening to it the other day coming home from work yesterday and my buddy who was driving with me he's like what am I listening to right now like he didn't even know that we were I was watching the USDGC like that's kind of how He took the commentary of it. And I like Philo. I like Ian. Both of them. Like, I really do. But for live coverage there, I'll say this, not my favorite to listen to live.
0: Isn't this, I love the Nick and Matt show. Like, honestly, those are raw takes right now. Like, Nick just disagrees, and and I think it's one way. Does this just show us, like, out out there in the disc golf world. This is why yeah. you cannot please everybody. I know, like right? disc insane. golf network releases something, and like half the people are like boo, and half the people are like, yay. So like you never. This is awesome. So, yeah. Nick, um, I will go to your point though about Hannah and Juliana. Man, we've said it before. Hannah on our show, her voice is just so great. We're gonna yeah. have to have her back on. Um, but I feel like you're right, they are able to let things ride, which yeah. is like rest, like I love it.
1: Yeah. You get to you get to just watch disc golf and you know you listen to the players and you listen to what's going on at the course. Like I actually do like being able to hear the noise of the that, noises that's going on in the course, or like a player talking to their disc. I very much enjoy that. Like I don't care to hear a commentator talk over as a player is throwing. Like I know that commentator is not next to that person, but I do wish more so that when that player is throwing. I I want silence. And
0: okay, Nick, you get silent. <laughs> yeah. What exactly, did you think yeah. about
1: Nate Sexton out there? I actually I, enjoyed so that. I, yeah, I really liked. And especially when Nate came in the booth with Philo and Ian afterwards, because same thing, Nate wouldn't talk that much because Nate knows when to talk and when not to talk. And I think I'll say this because I don't want to bash Ian and Philo. I, that's not what I'm doing at all. <laughs> Philo is super knowledgeable when it comes to everything disc golf yeah. related, when it comes yeah. to potentially what players are throwing he knows 90 percent of the time when he says oh that shot's in bounds or out of bounds he's very spot on with it because he said he's like dude I've been playing this event for 13 years he's like I know these shots I know these players I've watched them grow up Philo is super knowledgeable he can tell when a person did not release the disc correctly and that is going to screw them on a hole like Ezra as hole today took a 10 on 888 the first shot he threw was incredible perfect position to throw a hyzer onto the green, potential eagle look. And right when he threw it, Philo was like, well, watch his release. He threw it too flat, and now it didn't skip across the road, get onto the green. So they're both knowledgeable, but I like them better as post-round production commentators.
0: And to be fair, this is their first gig ever yeah, live. So exactly. again, I do give them grace, But I, I and I, I agree with some of your points, but I, I think I've found myself surprised. Maybe it's surprised, because when they first started day one, I wasn't so sure. And then I was like, I'm actually, it's growing on me. So maybe Mm -hmm. that's where I'm at with it. But yeah, Hannah and Juliana, great job to them. I do find it interesting. Juliana, obviously, she has the ability and the right to do this because she's a world champion and disc golf amazing. Okay. So like, but Hannah will say something and Juliana be like, no, she's like, I
1: disagree. Like they they do have disagreements on the air, which is, which is good. I think, I think you need disagreements though in any sort of booth. That's, you know, there have been times where I was watching the NBA playoffs and, one of the comment or, you know, one of the announcers would say, oh, that totally wasn't a foul. And then the other commentator would be like, I don't know what you just saw there, but I saw a dude's hand getting chopped off like they Yeah, it totally <laughs> was a foul. And so I do like it when, especially in disc golf, where if you and I are commentating something, Matt, and I say, oh, you know what? Paul should have thrown his buzz right there. And you're like, no, dude, Paul should have thrown an undertaker. We can disagree with that. And I would say, no, it's because the greens like this. And I do like that because now you have a more insightful conversation. So I, I do think they complement each other very well. One thing that I do wish was going on with this uh, for both FPO and MPO. I wish sometimes when there was a break, instead of always looking at the drone coverage, because you do look at the same fairway three or four times with the drone coverage. Put a camera at the booth. I, I want to see Philo and Ian talk or I yeah. want to see Hannah and Julianne talk like. <laughs> Or imagine, Corder, imagine. Sorry.
0: I mean, we were all, we're we're all professional producers, obviously, because that's, we have our opinions yeah. about, but no, but like, and so this is where I go back to the grace side. Obviously, like whoever's in charge of that is, has more experience than you and me, but yeah, they, it is interesting. It is a feeling that I'm left wanting as well. Exactly what you just said. Like, show us yeah. more in the book.
1: I do wish that we could see the commentators every so often
0: yeah but at the uh, same time i do appreciate so it's both sides i do appreciate that they're not jumping into the booth every single minute too yeah. and and that goes to another broadcast that happens too so like yep. there's pluses and minus and disc golf how exciting is it that we're here actually talking about what our preference is for disc golf media yeah, know, right? when you go back literally four or five years ago like it was like one there was, and, there It was it disc
1: golf planet or dgm which so- i actually i used to love old school dgm disc golf monthly check it out
0: incredible so awesome stuff. we're getting ready to wrap up the yeah. whole 17 well, winthrop
1: oh well, i want to say this really quick fpo side you know no spoiler you know if you guys don't want to spoiler cover your ears for a second but Paige is killing it once again you love to see it some people do hate you? to see it because oh, i i do i All love right, Nick. i love to see again? i love to see greatness at it you know like i'm <sighs> i like to see just <sighs> it's so hard i know it's hard to you know I mean, a lot of people say that like you know, one of my buddies, he's like, I hate watching certain players because all they do is win. And like, how about you, Tom you and Brady, I? Dude, so you and I like grew 20 up 20 years. Yeah. You and I pretty much grew up watching <laughs> Tom Brady. dominate. We just
0: lost half of our subscribers right now. Yeah, I
1: know. Right. We watched Tom Brady dominate the league I, in about 10 seconds. There's going to be 50 comments <laughs> saying how big of a cheater he is. Y'all can say it. I'm not going to read those comments out loud. Okay, no. But so but,
0: and, and can I can I say this? Because yeah. we're getting really animated now. I actually, towards the end, kind of got, and people are going to hate me for this. I got bored with the, Pat- the New England Patriots. It was, and you can say, how do you get bored of winning all the time? But it was like, I didn't feel bad missing a, sh- missing a game because it was like, we're just going to win. And, and like, so. With the majority
1: v- of the teams, yeah. 100%. That's so
0: So it's not that I don't think they're great and I appreciate their greatness and think Hall of Fame and all that, but like, Paige, I, you want parody at the top for a show. And if she's just doing it by herself, yes, it's excellent. And Paige, you know, I, lo- I love you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it is excellent. And and it's not your fault that there's not the parody there. It is not her fault. But I find myself rooting for Kat just for a bigger show because everybody wants a show. Mm-hmm. And to that point, today, again, spoiler, if you don't want to hear any of the plays out at all, but you're going to have to wait two weeks, so maybe you and I should get over this, Nick, because it's going to be two weeks away. Yeah, I know, right. Um, Katrina... Uh, got four strokes on page on hole 18 today.
1: See, I was going to ask you about that. You were talking about hole 18. I actually didn't yeah. know what
0: happened. So double OB for Page and okay. two putts inside the circle. OB, OB, circle. I think miss she got play, a seven play. or an okay. eight. Uh, seven, yeah, that makes sense. A seven. And, uh, Cat
1: 3 it? Cat 3 it. Insane. That's so, awesome. So like
0: it makes me feel like, oh, there's a little bit of hope for parity. Yeah. It's still, I'm not going to give you the stroke separation, everybody, just in case you do want to go watch it tomorrow or something. But like. It's it makes me feel like, OK, so like there's that. Let's jump over um, to a uh, whole 17. Did you see what happened to Simon? Did you see what happened to the lead card or the feature card yesterday?
1: I'm trying to think.
0: OK, so what happens on whole 17 usually, Nick?
1: Uh, big numbers,
0: big numbers, what at least
1: you, for one guy.
0: What yeah. do you think happened to Simon?
1: I'm trying to think what did because he shot even yesterday, right?
0: Yeah, he was under par. Going into that hole.
1: He was probably, what, two or three under par going into that hole. So he would have taken a seven.
0: Yeah, I think it was a seven or an eight. So um, what did he go? He went OB. He went OB. Oh, yes. OB. No, I did watch OB. this because I
1: remember Philo and Ian were like, oh, God, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Who else and was they,
0: on that card that did that? Who else was on that feature card? Why am I having a brain freeze?
1: James Conrad, Simon Oh, Eagle. so it was
0: James that did it also.
1: But I think James only threw it OB once.
0: No. Three really? times. Did he really? So oh. back to back to back. So James did it. Then Simon steps up and Simon does it. And I'm like, this is horrible. Dang. So hole 17, one card through like so many strokes. Paul got the two with his black zone.
1: Yep. Eagle laid up for the eagle three. laid up for the three. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> eagle seems to be playing a conservative game this weekend. Oh, yeah. Like as it's in, I am going to play a, a game and plan. It,
1: and it is paying off.
0: So what do you think about hole 17? Have you you've been down there? Have you ever yeah. thrown that hole?
1: Um, competitively once when well, I try to qualify, okay. but yeah, I've thrown the whole bunch of times. Yeah.
0: Is it, this is going to sound really ignorant as an amateur player. It's is not it easy. Hard? Okay.
1: It's not easy at all
0: to get it in the green and get it.
1: Even, even just like people will think that it's easy to lay it up way right side, but it's really not because if you don't feel comfortable flicks, um, flicking or forehanding a mid range or for me, it would be a zone. If you don't feel comfortable flicking it that far, you're. of the time, I'm going to short it, and then 10% of the time, you're going to overcook it, and it's very easy to go ob long So then I'm like, okay. Spike Heiser, right? I mean, for me, if I was to flick a zone, I'd want to just throw a flat over a positions basket and let it fade out. But then there are times where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling the zone, so I'm going to go with a Raptor. And then it's super easy to go long with a Raptor, because now you're throwing a speed you know, eight or nine disc. So... Back, so, <laughs> back, backhanding to me is actually like a lot harder on that hole. I'd rather dump out a flick all day to the right and maybe get lucky and be near a putting position, but backhanding on that hole. Cause it's like, okay, backhanding, is easy to throw far or you overturn it or you don't turn it. It's, well, that's
0: how, that's how James Conrad backhand almost yeah. only. And even on that hole, he yeah. threw three right into the water. Well, no, skipped the first one slid in yeah. under the, OB yeah, rope. it slid in. Yep. I saw next that in the water, the bushes. next in the water. Yeah. So like he even tried to be more conservative. It looked like, like really getting the turnover, but Nick, so you've thrown it. Do you feel like how, how far, like just off the top of your head, how far do you feel like that throws? Like if I'm stepping up with my Firebird, like am I throwing, Matt Graham, am I You're throwing that throwing 80%, full power. 80% on a Heiser? 60%? Like it's not that hard it's as distance. It's not that hard. That's the it's thing. Not it's not distance. I,
1: I don't know the exact distance of it, but.
0: I'm just asking how far you feel like it is to throw it. Like how far? Does it feel like it's a 250?
1: I don't even think it's that far, to be okay. honest. Okay. I, I really don't. Okay. I would say probably like 220, because it's slightly downhill. Right. It is slightly downhill. So it's which just I the think...
0: placement. It, I mean, yeah. it sounds obvious, but
1: yeah. yeah. And it's funny because the landing zone to the right is actually, it's kind of massive. It's just the pin positions. And it's like that hole itself, because if you, if you go OB... You re tee it, and then you're like, "Oh crap! I just threw my go to disc on it, and I got to throw another <laughs> one." And I dude, know. the mental pressure of that hole, I can't imagine. what You have it's to like re tee, like right away. Yeah, right away. Yeah, yeah. The the next player doesn't even go, so it's like you get to. So that's when Simon stepped up. You get After to throw. An James eight in Conrad front of the car. did that. Yeah,
0: James. James yeah. threw three in, and then Simon's like, "It's my turn." Okay. And let then me Ob. Throw three Ob. In. Yeah. Ob.
1: And I think for Simon, it's. I think he would throw a forehand on it, potentially, with like an FT3 or even a PD2, just like a standstill forehand. But he has his elbow injury going on right now. And Simon's a very silky smooth putter thrower. He is. There's no doubt that in practice he probably makes that shot 10 times out of 10. But then all of a sudden the tournament slaps you in the face. And if you're having an okay round, that hole can come up and then boom, all of a sudden now you're over par. Or if you're having an incredible round, boom, 17 comes up and you just lost the tournament.
3: It, we've it,
0: seen it, it and so this goes back it. to this oh topic. Gosh, like yeah. Johnny McCray one year pushing yeah. to win, doing the same thing. He was thing. up
1: three or four strokes going into 18, and then he blows up on 17, causes a playoff, and then Will gets his third USDGC win.
0: So, but this is, so this is the topic and we just, we can wrap this one up is like, what's hole 17 do? And I was just going on and on about how I want a story like FPO. Like I want, Mm -hmm. I want to see that parody hole 17 does that for me. Like as far as that goes selfishly as a viewer, yes, I love it as a player. I don't know if you love it because I don't know how the players, I have not interviewed them to see how they feel about that hole.
1: So I've talked with a ton of players about what do you, what holes do you put in your dream 18? Hole one, Maple Gold, the first shot over the water. Hole 18, European Open, that last hole is incredible. There are a couple other courses, like hole 18 at Maple is incredible, but hole 17 at Winthrop, 90% of the disc golfers I've talked to have put that as their hole 17.
0: But is that like the same reason that Maple's so popular because of the history of it? Is that why they're picking 17 because it's the history of that hole? Like
1: It's almost like the walk from 16 to 17 yeah. is so epic. Yeah, it's so beyond epic that you're walking there. You're just like, okay, it's a long walk. Like, it's over a couple minute walk, honestly. And you're kind of just like, I need to throw this in bounds. I need to throw this in (laughs) bounds. And it's like you psych yourself up before you're even close to the hole.
0: Did you see uh, Simon's recent vlog with the uh, practice round with Jomez? He was interviewing Casey, actually, on, that, on that walk. Yeah. He goes, what do you not want to think about on this walk? Yeah. And then he's like, what do you want to think about? And it was like, yeah, the idea of like not thinking bad. I want to
1: take a par on this hole versus taking an eight.
0: So I, I guess I don't have a strong opinion except to say as a viewer, I love hole 17. Uh, because the opportunity for parody, I, it, it, it's tells it lets a story take place that is heartbreaking or inspiring. Yeah. That is good. So, with, so I, that's my stance. on Yeah, it.
1: I heard this, this is actually completely different than what we're talking about. But I heard this on commentary today from Philo is that this year. And I was wondering, because scores at USCGC this year, like Chris Dickerson, was he 23 under par or 24 under par?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: You know, the winner last year only shot 19 under par. Yeah. So after two rounds this year, they're already smoking away the competition from last year. And one of the reasons for that, I heard this in commentary, is that because of the 250-person limit at USCGC this year, they obviously had to cut back on volunteers. A lot of areas last year that were OB, which would have been stroke and distance, turned into hazards. Mm
0: -hmm. So players
1: are now playing from where they Mm -hmm. went out of bounds, like inside the hazard. Dude, that's a ton of strokes, actually. I mean... Players before would have been throwing two, three, four times, sometimes for stroke and distance. And now they're able to move up to that area.
0: That's definitely it
1: kind of makes I'm, the course isn't easy. I'm not going to say that. Excuse me. And the course is not soft, but
0: it makes it easier for to score. a
1: top professional player. Yeah. They are scoring so much better than they have in years past, especially from last year.
0: All right, so moving on from that topic, and we're really just getting close to wrapping up. Simon did throw a forehand, by the way, on hole one, and I was surprised I after birdied, our show.
1: He birdied it too, right? After yeah. our
0: show, I'm like, I hope he's not hurting himself yeah. because Same. he said it hurts, you know, whatnot. So, yeah. like, it, it's true. Um, But it, it that hole obviously calls for it. I did see it a really practice. Does. I did see I, a practice shot I where I he parked it backhand. Yeah, <laughs> but Oh, yeah, it was pretty he cool did.
1: with the P1X. It's not I the think, play. Yeah.
0: All right, so let's get ready to wrap this up. Professional disc golf memberships. Incredibly, first time in history of professional disc golf association, they've reached sixty thousand active members. Coronavirus, in a weird way, we thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? It's so it's so weird to actually like say something like that, but yeah, actually, I think during this whole COVID lockdown, as states were able to open up, they were it it boosted disc golf in a sense. I met a ton of people that i'd never met before on the course and from a distance waved and said hello but um yeah covid was actually huge for disc golf
0: and, and i mean that when i say that with all respect in in fact and and i don't need mean to bring personal life into this but my grandfather did get covid and died shortly after um and, and so it's not something to be trivial about but it's just the timeline and history saying this is what we're going to remember as the peak it, it bump, if you will, in disc golf numbers. So I think yeah, that's really cool for the PDGA.
3: <clears throat>
0: so finally, I want to say that at the Nick and Matt show, we respect her game. Yep. And that is not something that I think should just be a promotional item. Um, I'm excited that they did one day really specifically trying to push that. And I say they, if you haven't heard about it, go to respect and and check out what their whole initiative is there. But I would like to say also, when we caught drift of like the eruption, if you will, in the social media world with with, you know, the female disc golfers and yeah. feeling welcome or not. Like we had Hannah on the show that next night, like when this was all erupting and mm-hmm. and this go. So go back to the Paul and Hannah show
1: like episode 17
0: and go towards the end. Mm -hmm. Um, She talks about it there. This is before the initiative was actually born, if you will. So like we didn't have the respect her game hashtag to talk about. But we do talk about that there. Um, I will just say this. I'm I'm someone who likes to think deep and and on both sides of like people who are there's people out there right now who are saying this is horrible. It's going to backfire, blah, blah, blah. Like women grow up, all this stuff. My thought on it is this. If they're and I'm going to go to a kid, I'm just going to pick a kid in my head. If there was one kid in the world who was getting bullied or uh, talked down to, okay, by anybody, whether it was someone at peers or parents or anything, I think it would be so cool if all around the world or the country, people did do an initiative just to make that one person feel better and know they're not alone. Uh Let alone there are... However many women, I don't know how many women, is this a larger issue than we think it is? Is it a smaller issue? I don't, that's, that's a debate, but that's not the part of the, it shouldn't be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. One person alone. It's too many. Exactly. And I think even if that initiative just helps one individual female disc golfer feel that they're not alone and they're welcome, then I'm down for it all the other details that like my brain goes down and starts to debate and all that, like it's not necessary. And that's, so that's the conversation I've had with myself this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've come to land is like, I hope one person because of that respect her game works. And it was great to see so many pros out there wearing that, wearing that the shirt.
1: shirt. The camera crew is wearing the shirt. I'm sure tons of people. I, I want to give all the kudos in the world to the FPO players and the female disc golfers just in the disc golf world who I've seen my Instagram, my Facebook blew up with respect her game from all sorts of disc golfers, male, female, whatever. And it was incredible to see because it was just, it was moving. It was very moving to watch everyone kind of come together. And especially in crazy times like we have going on right now, the 2020 has been absolutely insane. So to have a movement put together by disc golfers kind of unify us all in a sort of sense, I do hope that it keeps progressing in the future and we 100 percent absolutely respect her game
0: yeah so that's what we have on that uh i think nick believe it or not we have now <laughs> beat our old record yeah. and the funny part is nick you're like hey tonight like let's, yeah i was let's... like
1: tonight let's do kind of like a low-key episode and you're like nah we're going for three hours long So that is so we
0: have people who say it's not long enough. Now I know know, we we can't do this every week. Like we do have lives outside of this, but like I can understand that I'm driving. In fact, this week I'm driving to West Virginia for work. Like that's a commute. So I'll either re-listen to the show or listen to a few books and get it all done. Yeah, I
1: know, right? But, uh,
0: so that's it guys. That, that brings us to the end of our show. We hope that you, uh, really appreciated it and enjoyed it. Um, yeah, everybody right now, we did not do judge that disc golfer. We didn't do two truths yeah, and a lie I know, or internet sorry. disc golf questions. But I can give you this, ready? This is this is not pre-recorded. This is me speaking into my mic. Judge that disc golfer, <laughs> the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. <laughs> nice. So, all right guys, uh Nick, you got any closing words?
1: Yeah, on YouTube, please go comment, like, subscribe. Don't forget iTunes, leave a uh, review for us, screenshot it, send it to our Instagram. you would be entered into the $20 Marshall Street gift card. We want to shout out to Michael Miller. He was a 2K giveaway for the bag. Rocky McGuire, you also get a $20 Marshall Street gift card. Hey, everybody, go out this week, tell someone you love them, play some disc golf. We'll see you in the next one.
0: Nick, you're awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social
3: platform and subscribe on iTunes.